0: hey guys for the extra sunday content as well as bonus weekly content on top of that go to our patreon link in the description
1: and find the black Kluge tier or higher and subscribe would you pretend that i am (laughs) bahati i'm sitting here i'm I'm gonna be honest with you it's hot in the garage i'm wearing a bra top i have my and i only have panties on i'm being honest can you go a little slower just us talk about it you have underwear on under that robe. I do. That's all I have on, though. Oh, my God. So (laughs) You're in your garage. You're in your garage. Bahati is... uh, I'm Bahati. Leave it alone. You know what? You're doing just fine. I I should only look like you. All right. So, I'm Bahati. We're in the garage. I'm bathed. I'm moisturized. I've completely shaven for you. And I'm sitting here listening to my husband. Gross. Gross. (laughs) I've had dinner at Mar-a-Lago with Donald many times, not at the same table, but he would come over. He would give me a tour of Mar-a-Lago. I, I, I've been there. I told you, it's like heaven. Oh, it's hot. It's a burn in my mouth. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, dry oatmeal. Uh, I need what? Oh, on it. Where you could just put them in your ear and like they'd be Bluetooth or something
2: because
1: i need to i can't even afford to buy socks anymore you know No. Yeah. well all right well hey i'm glad to hear you're doing okay and uh i have my routine and the days go so fast because i just sit in my room and entertain myself like when i was a little boy time means nothing yeah no such thing as time <laughs> if i didn't have to shower and eat i'd just sit in that room I'm telling you, it's that, it's that that narcissism where you think the whole world revolves around you and you're entitled to do whatever you want. But, you know, when you're a football player and you're used to being catered to and you're the most famous football player in the world, you can get caught up in that. And then when your wife says, Hey, you know, you need to take the garbage out and drive the kids to school. You get resentful and you go, don't you know who I am? You know, I can't get that image of your dad playing piano with you on your, with with you on his lap. It's just, uh, I don't usually feel stuff. So this never happens to me. (laughs) Um,
0: Welcome, guys, to QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. I'm your host, Fillmore, aka Jim Fix, and with me is Sam. And we're got we've got Jam and Jim Florentine as our guest. Thank you for joining, Jim.
3: Thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, using my nickname that I used over 30 years ago.
0: <laughs> it's it's still it's just it's got that I don't know it's got that rock and sound. I don't know what it was. Um, you, you dro- when did you drop it? How how soon into your career did you drop that?
3: Probably about three years in. You know, I was before I did comedy, I was DJing. I was DJ on the radio. I was on college radio. Then I had my own morning show at this little station in New Jersey. I was DJing in rock clubs. I had a wedding business where I was DJing in there. So everybody always had a name then. So I was like, all right, uh, Jam and Jim. And I was, it just stuck. And I had headshots for some reason. I don't know why I had a headshots when I wasn't even doing comedy. And then when I started doing comedy, I was like, well, I might as well just stay. I'm not going to pay for new headshots, so I'll just go with this name.
4: So when you were DJ, when you were DJing and had headshots. Which yeah, I don't know
3: why. I kind think maybe think because it was I was trying t- to act. I think I was trying to <laughs> act, too, maybe.
4: That was kind of a thing, though, like of the of the time. Like, I just remember people having headshots during that time, like a lot of excess headshots. That was a thing when You when you were DJing. And you know how you like really love music a lot and rock music, especially, especially with, you know, that metal show and everything when you like heard the Stern show and you heard Howard talk about music, what did you think?
3: Well, I knew he didn't like, you know, like metal, he, you know, and, and K-Rock, you know, I was in New Jersey, so K-Rock would play like the worst songs as soon as he was off. Yeah, me, me and Don Jameson would guess every time. OK, it's going to be the Chili Peppers, uh, Suck My Kiss or Pearl Jam Alive. It was the same fucking songs or Man in the Box by Allison Change. It was the worst. As soon as he went off the air, Fred gave those plugs. Yeah, you, you had to run to shut the radio off. It was so, so bad. Did,
4: did you kind of get this feeling of like he didn't know music?
3: Well, I I get he knew some, I guess. But yeah, I mean, not everybody's into it like I am. I totally get it. Nobody. No, not everybody's into like pro football like I am, too. So. I don't fault them for that, but he definitely wasn't in the metal like the way I was.
0: Right. He was he was I mean, well, as we all know, we all look, we you know, we're an anti stern podcast and we think he's a fucking poser from the get go. But uh, and but he was always into like rock bands and what were rock bands at the time? Well, they were all the hair metal bands before grunge kind of destroyed them for a short window of time there. So we didn't expect him to be into like you know album cuts or you know uh, into corrosion or conformity or any any like you know five fingers of death or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. I I mean, you went in. You went in because you loved the comedy. You loved Stern the the, the the show as a whole. You didn't care if he really liked the music or not.
3: You know, ninety nine out of hundred people I meet don't like the music that I like, so I don't hold it against anybody. You know, I'm the only guy in my neighborhood wearing an Accept shirt. This, this, you know, balls to the Wall from 1984. So I get it. I'm like, all right, that's, I don't, I, I don't blame you if I not like it. You're a grown up. You shouldn't. Yeah.
0: yeah. um Just real quick, Sam. I'm just to explain, uh, guys. A lot of the, to the Patreon. Fans specifically, uh, a lot of the, and I'll tell you, Jim, straight up, a lot of the questions are kind of warping time. So if it seems like we're going all over the place, it's because the questions also came from all over the place, and we have our own as well. And we're going to play some clips. Um, first question I got is from Isaiah C, and he asked, uh, whose idea was it to keep the relationship between you and Robin under wraps, even a couple days after the breakup? My understanding was she um, broke it on the Bubba show, and Howard got little pissed that he wasn't you know it wasn't he wasn't in on the the knowledge uh was it meant to be kept under wraps or was it just organic
3: i I told sam i said i gotta go back and like write notes because i know (laughs) you guys gonna go back because i i forget all of this stuff like i'm like you know i just i don't know i know it sounds like new agey shit but i don't live in the past i'm like whatever whatever happens so i wrote down a bunch of stuff like just remembering but i don't I know it, it came out on the air like the next day. I'm pretty sure it was over the weekend or maybe on Monday. Yep. I remember maybe like she said it on the news or something like that. I thought it was in the, N- a, the news segment.
0: No, or was she, it on Bubba's she, show? She broke it on Bubba's show. And then and there was, was, was a whole bad. thing on, he was pissed because he wanted that news on his show, obviously.
4: And then even go one further. I was listening to Don Jameson on another podcast and he said that you went over to his house after the first date. And so that she made you go to like some vegan restaurant and spent three hundred dollars on a bottle of wine and six hundred dollars total.
3: Um. Well, look, you got you have to understand. I am complete white trash. I, you know, <laughs> there's no question. I'm a, just a Jersey dirtbag. I'm like Artie, but like not as many problems as Artie Lang. How did yeah. that
4: feel though? Like when you're like, okay, so I'm taking out Robin, um, and then she. You spend like six hundred dollars total. And I remember he said on the podcast, Don Jameson, he was like, we were laughing because you're like, Jesus Christ, this vegan restaurant and
0: <laughs> it's going to well, break I, you.
3: <laughs> I just remember, I just remember like I just remember I said, I said, let's go to dinner. And then I'm like, you know, I know Chipotle. I have a card. <laughs> I could get I can get the vegan ball with with the 10th one with the punch card. But I'm like, I don't know how I could pull this off. So I well, just said, I said, why don't you find a restaurant in New York? I said, I'm not familiar with the restaurants in New York. I eat at the comedy club, the shitty food at the comedy right. club in New York. So did
4: Gilbert. So did Gil- right.
3: we all do. We did. Then we take it back to the hotel room. Can I get seconds? I know we're scumbags. So what? I didn't know. So I just remember I said, listen, and she was a vegan at the time. I said, could can you recommend a restaurant and we'll go there? I'll make a reservation, all that stuff. Right. And I remember she saying, okay, this whatever restaurant it was. I said, all right, perfect. We'll go there. I don't remember the bottle of wine being $300, though, but I just remember I couldn't. I didn't even know how to, how, how to pronounce Mer- Merlot. I thought it was Merlot. <laughs> I swear, I thought it was Merlot. I asked the bartender, I got, I was sitting at the bar before she got there. I go, is it Merlot or Merlot? He's like, it's Merlot. I go, oh, yeah, I was just joking. I'm like, all right, then, now I know. So Great. honestly, put-
0: hold on, hold on. Honestly, you never had some chick that was, you know, thought she was hot shit and she did know these things and she, you never, and you never came across that word? Uh,
3: maybe, but I just wanted to make sure I didn't sound like an idiot. Possibly, I but no, I'm, I, you know, I had yeah, long, hair. I long hair. He's not drinking
4: Merlot.
3: I had long hair, you know, hanging out, you know, dating strippers and hairdressers and crazy gotcha. chicks. So it wasn't like, you know, so I, I never, you know, girls drank vodka or just beer.
4: I can attest to you drink beer. You drink like a beer and you you're like very um, not nurse a beer, but like you're you don't do shots. You're not like a.
3: No, I always yeah. I, I'm not a big drinker. I mean, I like to get a nice I always got wanted to get a little buzz on. So I had the balls to talk to girls because I, well, I, I was always, I, I was always socially awkward. So I had a few drinks just to get some balls so I could, you know, so to talk to women, I, I never wanted to get drunk. Like drunk and have a big hangover the next day. That was never my thing, but I like a nice little buzz.
0: So, well, that, that leads me to my next question, which kind of goes hand in hand with your relationship you have with Dice. But I'll, I'll get to that part a little later. You, you were on tour with Levy, who was, let's say, well, not a notorious teetotaler by any means, but then also Artie and certain other people who would just drink like fiends. How did you, like in the business where people get addicted to just everything, how did you manage to kind of stay off that? Was it your you think it was your upbringing or do you think you just were like, no, no, I'm, I'm stronger than that shit? It was all about will.
4: Or whatever you think.
2: Yeah,
3: I never had an addictive personality. I'm lucky. You know, I got a couple family members got are big gamblers, and you know, other guys drink, not alcoholics or whatever. But I just never had that that gene of addicted to anything. So I'm lucky. And to me, it was all about the show. Like, you know, I'm going to work, and if I only have to work forty five minutes a night, or thirty minutes, or fifteen minutes, it's like I can at least be professional before. I go do my show and, and you get in that habit. I saw guys that would have to drink, you know, get a nice little buzz on before they go on stage and they were doing it six nights a week. And that just wears on you. You know, then you're going to have no liver by the time you're 35 years old. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I got to take this serious. I I love this. Big this time. is great. I got paid to tell dirty jokes. This is fucking awesome. Yeah.
4: But it's rare considering um, the, you know, immense amount of tragedy that goes on with comedians that you've seen in your lifetime that were great, that have passed away. So especially when I look back on I there's still a YouTube video out of you and Jim Norton's apartment, like <laughs> touring <laughs> it like cribs, but it's like, there's mold.
3: <laughs> I told you I'm white trash. There was mold on our wall. We were I know. Eight- we were paying eight hundred dollars a month and it was me, my girlfriend and Jim Norton living there. So we were splitting eight hundred dollars a month. It was a place right outside of New York City and it had mold on the wall. So I went to a, <laughs> I went to a flea market and I bought these paintings for like a two dollars just to cover the mold. So I hung yeah. it right over the mold. <laughs> right. I didn't even tell the landlord. I just I was, I'll just hang these paintings I'd like two bucks, a garage sale or flea market or wherever. am like, God, oh, it's fine. Nobody could see the mold.
4: Well, (laughs) but it's so bizarre to me that you come from like you're doing that, like you're living this way with Jim Norton, who is an ex addict and you're living how you do, which is like stable compared to most comics. When you started having success in kind of going through the trajectory of your life and timeline, how did it make you feel when you saw other comics who were very talented, like grappling with addiction or dying from addiction
3: yeah yeah i mean you know i was close to greg giraldo we had the same manager he started a little uh later than me in my career but he would open for me all the time until you know he got amazing and stuff like that no i've been around a lot of it i know you know by the time i was living with jim norton me and jim pretty much started at the same time he was sober he got sober when he was like 17 years old so Mm -hmm. i didn't meet him till he was like 23 24 so it wasn't that big of a problem living with her. But no, I don't know. I just I just knew. And I lived in Jersey and I knew like if I lived in New York City, I, I know I can drink and I know I could have a drinking problem, but I just have to figure out. So I, if I lived in New York City in a little apartment and after the comedy show, I could just hang out and drink till four in the morning and take a cab home or the subway, I'd be an alcoholic. So I said, if I have to drive to back home to Jersey, I can't have more than two drinks. Yeah, and I, like, I got to live in Jersey. I got it because I don't want to I don't want to. I'll, I know I'll be out till four in the morning. I know I'll be like, you know, up back in college and just party. And there's girls, you know what I mean? Coming in town, they would come to the comedy cellar from all over the country just to see comics. What you do know, you think?
4: Just- what do you think sets aside like your personality to understand that from such an early stage of your career to other people who were, you know, right on the cusp or even break breakthrough artists in comics? What what do you think that is that they can't see the same thing?
3: I you know, they're, they're, most comics are damaged. You know, they, <laughs> they got they come. They got a fucked up past. I didn't, you know, mine wasn't that bad. So I think maybe that that helped. That it just I don't know. I never needed to drink or do drugs to ease the pain because you know, I was never really in pain. So I never really, uh, you know, had to had to deal with that. And to yeah. me, it was like I said, I don't like waking up in the morning with a hangover. I mean, of course, I've done it a million times, but it's like it's not fun. You know, and it's just like if I'm working an hour a day, at least I could do was take it serious. I mean, I used to I used to cut lawns in Florida before I did comedy and before I even DJed. I was cutting like 30 lawns a day in August. It was yeah. horrible. I had like the worst jobs at construction sites and, you know, pulling down sheetrock and doing all that stuff with horrible jobs. So when I started doing comedy, I go, I'm going to take this serious because this is what I want to do.
4: I read an interview of yours. You said uh, that you would be on a construction thing or a lawn thing and you would when Stern was on, you would make them turn down whatever like machines so you could like listen to the show.
3: <laughs> no one was allowed to run any power tools when the show was on
4: <laughs> That's stern
3: I, on, yeah. yeah when Stern was on until and then when he went to commercial because it was like ten minutes of commercials, then you could run the power saw. you can run the friggin chainsaw, or whatever. So it was no, you have to leave them off until the commercial So, you know, that was regular radio. I think he was just got on k rock. I was listening back like. I mean, maybe a year when he was still on NBC is when I discovered him. Wow. And then when he went over to K-Rock in the afternoon. So, yeah, I was working construction sites just listening. And yeah, we had the radio cranked and then, you know, we'd go to commercial. Then we'd get our work done.
0: Well, yeah, yeah like at, at one point uh, later on when he was still on Terrestrial, you could probably build a floor in the time it took for him to come back from commercial break. Uh, oh, yeah.
3: But- and it was like 13, 14 minutes sometimes between the yeah. breaks. So we knew that to time that. Yeah.
0: So to tie that in, Jim, just a little bit, this isn't a question I didn't have. This is a question I didn't have, but now I do. do you, what would, you, would you say that the Jersey comics, there was a, was it, they were a little tighter bunch than, let's say, a, the Boston scene or a New York scene or L.A. scene, for that matter? Do you think you guys, that was like us against the world kind of thing? Or do you think you just managed to meet a bunch of not great guys at the right time?
3: No, I, the, the Boston guys had a big bond, you know, all those guys, Louis C.K., Dane Cook, Robert Kelly, Nick right. DiPaolo, all those guys. There was a, a the Boston, Boston and Patrice O'Neill. Boston has the best comics, no matter what, where they came from in the whole country. But mm-hmm. then we were from, we were Jersey. So the New York comics didn't really just uh, respect us. Me, Jim Norton, Rich Foss, Bob Levy, because they just thought we were like dirty, lowbrow, which we were. <laughs> but, you know, we just didn't go up there and tell like monologue David Letterman jokes. So, uh, right. you know, 37 percent of people say that, you know, women masturbate and the other 73 <laughs> percent. I, I didn't do those jokes. I'm like, those jokes stink.
0: <laughs> so the, the, one of the questions somebody had here was also tied into the Robin thing, which was, did she ever try to get you involved with her fads? And at that time, she was doing the fad dieting and
4: charities.
0: And, well, not, well, charity, you did get involved. He did. But there was the, also someone asked about the cult. Cult. the only cult she was involved in was way before you got you got in tow with her and then way after so well, i imagine I it, would, it would it would only be a... the vegan stuff yeah what did no, you say there was that?
3: there was nothing going there was nothing at that time you know she wasn't i know she was just a vegan but other than that it was uh no it was no there was nothing she tried to get me into i was eating pretty i was doing pretty healthy i was going to some like naturopathic doctor and stuff. I was having some stomach problems of drinking all these friggin energy drinks and stuff. And
2: he put me on a, yeah,
3: he put me on like a vitamin program and shit like that. And that was after the death of my ex-girlfriend. So I was pretty fucked up at that time. I
4: I was thinking about that too, like with you and your, um, your relationships, it was interesting to me. There was this article, it was called uh, The Light and Darkness of Jim Florentine. I believe it was a fan who wrote it. It was back in 2020. And it was this rundown article. I probably don't even know if you've even seen it because it was an interview. Yeah, it was a very interesting rundown in 2020. And the one thing that stuck out to me, well, there was actually multiple things. But one of the things was, how did you deal with like, just as your personality and persona came off and how we got to know you in the public eye that you had these tragedies, whether it be the suicide of your ex-girlfriend or the breakup of your marriage and your ex-wife who cheated on you. How did that feel being somebody in the public eye? Like, That is something so incredibly different than even though you're in the public eye, you know, like because you're a comic, that level of scrutiny. How did you deal with that and cope with it?
3: Um, You know, I was a 2006 Was with my ex when she died. So it wasn't, you know, TMZ and stuff like that. It wasn't really that it didn't really get out there that much. I know that they, they t- I know Jim Norton talked about an open Anthony and stuff like that. But it wasn't like it. W- if it was today, it would be all over the place. You know, even if it was 10 years ago. But for some reason, it kind of went under the radar.
4: But it you know, did that, it with radio people, though, like us.
3: Well, the radio people. Yeah, because the radio people knew. I think Artie brought it up on the air because yeah. I talked to Artie. Artie knew her really well. Howard knew. Everybody knew her really well. She was around Jade. the show a lot. Yeah, Jade. So everybody knew her. Gary, all the whole she, we'd go out all the time. We'd be at scores or wherever or these parties, Artie's birthday party. So she was around a the lot. They all knew her. So I told, I called up Artie and told them, and I said, look, t- just say it on the air. I don't care. I don't want to hide this. And then it comes out. I go just, sh-. and he's like, you sure? I said, yeah, because I wasn't going to go on the air. And then I told Jim Norton to do it on an opening Anthony. Cause Jim, you know, Jim, we were roommates. Jim wasn't my roommate at the time. He wound up moving out. So,
4: but that's like a choice. And I think that's an interesting choice for you because. It's a little bit different than how you put yourself out there to that point. So what made you decide to be, I guess, so forthright about these things that happened?
3: Well, because I knew some people were going to find out anyway. I'm like, what am I going to hide? It's going to come out. And then I got to deny it or what am I going to do? Everybody, you know, everybody knew her and stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to it's just been ready to be honest, get it out there. I always knew I said, look, this this will get out there. People will talk about it for a couple of days and then Britney Spears will do something. And everyone will be talking about that. Yeah, let everyone talk about it for a couple of days and they'll move on. That was my philosophy with it.
0: I got to plug to the audience. If anybody hasn't seen it, go to Jim's website. I don't know if it's you've put it on YouTube now for free or not, but um, it, it's uh, I'm your savior was the special that came out of the story, the aftermath. And except for the ending, which obviously now you'd probably <laughs> want to forget. <laughs> um, it's a great special, guys. And uh, he uses like and it's a great book.
4: I have this book.
0: Oh, I, I don't have the book, but I got I did watch the special when you released it because I was fascinated because you made the rounds, Jim, talking about it on different shows. And I thought that would be a great story. Like if you just if you just told that story, it doesn't have to be about comedy necessarily. It could be you know, uh, inspiring for some people. And I think maybe I, I just want to know on some level, did you feel that this would help people who, who you, who went through had to deal with having to deal with someone's suicide, like a suicide of a loved one? Did that part of that go through your mind?
3: Absolutely. I did. And, you know, look as a, as, as a comic or a musician, if some, something happened, big happens in your life, a divorce, a death, or even something really good, whatever you write an album about it, you write about it. It, it might take time. But, you know, that's like, that's material. So I was like, I knew I wasn't going, oh, I can't wait to write about this. I don't know if I ever was. I, I you know, I, I remember I couldn't write a joke for like four or five months after that happened. I just couldn't, I was like complete writer's block. And then I said, I just <laughs> want to do a show. Yeah. Cause I couldn't come. And I, I was like, man, I don't know if my career is over. Cause I'm just doing old jokes when I went back on a tour and I'm like, I always like working on new material and I just couldn't come up with anything. And then I started writing like a book about it. And I said no, I'm going to try to see if I could do the one man show because I'd always see Colin Quinn's one man shows; they were always amazing. And yeah. I talked to Colin. Colin's like, "You got a great story. Write Come it out. out." You know, Colin helped me shape it up. And uh, he's like, "Go do it in these little theaters in New York." You know, so I said, "I just want to get a message out there." You know, But no one wants to talk about suicide. So it's a weird, it's a weird death where people just keep quiet and they don't know what to say. So I figured if I talk about it, you know. Somebody there's so many people that went through it, whether a cousin or somebody in the family and like, wow, you, you know, thank God you talked about it because nobody wants to talk to me about it. I feel alone and isolated. I, feel,
4: I felt that so fascinating. And then to compound that in even more fascinating and how I got to actually message and talk to you was your second relationship with your ex-wife You gave this interview with Allison. I forgot her last name. She was Rosen Rosen, and she was with the Adam Carolla show for the longest time. And so you gave this long form interview about what happened with your ex-wife and how the infidelity happened and everything that was playing out. And you were so brutally honest with it in this interview. And during the time when I listened to it, I was going through something similar and I felt so moved that I, I remember writing you on social media and saying, this is amazing. This is like before I had a podcast or anything. And just saying exactly how appreciative I was of you sharing this experience because I feel like it's something that's, you kind of like take in shame for some reason, even though, you know, everybody's at fault for something. But there's just some things that are so fucked up that you're just like, I cannot believe this happened. And so <sighs> I felt that way. And I was like, oh, I'm going to say something. And you you had you were so kind. You wrote back. and Well, remember-
3: let's well, like, like, stop right. You were hot. That's why I wrote back. <laughs> if it was Fillmore, I would have deleted the email in two
0: seconds. So let's, let's you know, come on.
5: Well, at least we know,
0: we know he's heterosexual. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing was, there might be a little Catholic guilt going along with that innately anyway. Yeah. But um, uh, the the one thing I wanted to play was uh, <laughs> a
5: little
0: a little clip here. Already, he's actually talking you up a little bit and you showed up on the same wrap up show. So just uh, let me play this clip.
2: I told Robin this off the air uh, after the show. Jimmy is honestly one of the best people. I. I've ever met through comedy or through anything, just in general. But he's not one of those comics we talked about yesterday, that root tree to fail. He's very helpful to comics, and I mean, it, it, yeah, you know that, right? Absolutely. And, and because of that, he's very disarming. It's like you can't offend him. He, he's a nice guy. So I, I, I wasn't really looking to bust his chops. Uh, I figured I'd get a few one-liners in, and that would be it. I didn't think it was going to be right. bad. You know? See, I didn't want to do the. We'll, we'll get into the Shuli thing in a minute, what Shuli did, but I didn't want to be that guy. That throws Jim under the bus, but I really wanted to go in today and talk about one of Jim's first ever appearances on the show. He told this phenomenal story about banging a chick in a bathroom. <laughs> And she fell and hit her head, and he hit. His, do you remember that? Yeah, he was checking. Was checking the, the bathroom, at like some shit club, and she fucking hit her head. And I was like, "Where'd that guy go?" <laughs> 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 and don't. Yes,
0: yeah, so I got a couple of those road story type clips, but we'll, we're more than happy to get them from the, the horse's mouth. Um, but um, the 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 reason why I brought that up is because Artie's like he's he's such a genuine guy, and we love him. Like QF loves him, the whole family loves him, and. And um we're wondering if do you have um, do you still keep in touch with him? We know he's keeping a low social media profile, and we're like look if if, it, if interviewing him will we don't want to interview him if if what he needs to stay clean is to just not do comedy and not do interviews, we'd rather not have the interview but um do you still keep in touch with him and it, 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 do you know how he's doing?
3: Um, no, I know he's back on cameo, which is good. He's, mm-hmm. I know his drug court is over. It was like a five-year drug probation. It was like really tough. Yeah. I know that. So he, he like, that's why he didn't want to leave the house basically. Cause he was afraid he would mess up. And I know he had like, I'm pretty sure he had a piss test like three or four times a week being like, you know, Patterson, New Jersey at 7am, they'd call him like that night. And so, yeah. so it was really tough. Yeah. And we have the same, we had the same agent, um, but I don't ask too much cause I don't want to be the one if he tells me and then all of a sudden it gets out there, he blames me, mm-hmm. but I hear that, you know, he's done with the drug court and he's back on cameo. I did his podcast when he came back for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then he went back under, there, down under. So I don't have his phone number. I haven't talked to him on the phone. I, you know, I talked to him on the podcast and that was it. I mean, if we ran into each other tomorrow, we'd fuck, we'd hang out for hours. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. He's probably just still laying low. I don't, I don't know if he's ready or not, but he's clean. He's, you know, he's, I don't know where he's living. I think he's still living in Hoboken. I'm pretty sure. And you know, he's out of a drug court. So now he can pretty much go live his life.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah, well I'm not, I'm not I don't wanna change subjects from Artie, so I wanna get back to that. But in this clip what we're playing, did you ever, especially during the hashtag me too era, have this moment of like, Holy shit, we're done? Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> like after telling you all you, these great you, stories on O and-, and
4: How did you feel when that was happening?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, because anybody could come out of the past and say something about you, you just don't know. But I, I like I got to the point where I got I, my career's on the downside right now. So what are they going to do? What could they take from me at this point? I don't
4: you know. know. They I mean? were like, taking it. They were taking crap from Azizi and sorry for going on a date, for Christ's sake. Well, I know but that I
3: was, was like, a bad it was a bad date. Exactly. But, you know, he had something But going that's on. my
4: point. That's my point, though, that it's like, wow, that was so crazy. Like it was just such a manic. Create Like, you know, you 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 pass the Rubicon from your point that you were supposed to be doing with this supposedly feminist movement. Yeah. So what did you think of that? Like when comics started kowtowing kind of to this not. Yeah, I guess kowtowing in a way where it's like, okay, we're just going to completely throw men under the bus and everything they did before this moment and disown it.
3: It was horrible, yeah, because it's like okay, so but but a woman can just completely, you know, blow off a guy and be mean to him, and and there's no repercussions there, you know, because a lot of it was just them them being mean to women, like they just they use them, they have sex with them a few times, and they didn't call them back, they blocked them, and they just you know, all right, get out, I got to get up in the morning, I got an early flight, just leave, and the women felt disrespected, so a lot of it was that. You know, so it's like okay, so he was a dick, so now you're going to bring him down and trying to ruin his career. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was never a dick, so hopefully, you know. But if something came, I'm like, hey, you know, I know I didn't do anything wrong. If someone wants to make up something, then they can make it up. But
4: well, well, amazingly, you sub you survived that scandal, like or any scandal during (laughs) that period, which is awesome, right?
3: I but mean, like, well, like I said, I, guess, I didn't have a, I don't have, I didn't have a lot going on. Sc-
4: but you don't have no. a scandal. But it's like, you know, you're always just in the back of your head thinking who is going to come out of the woodwork to destroy me for some press. You know what I mean? Well, when you look at something like Chappelle. What yeah. do you think about that? Especially when you have somebody like Chappelle, who's so amazing and unique. And then he's getting all this blowback. And like somebody like Patton Oswalt comes out on Instagram and says some I'm sorry for actually sticking up for the guy who's been my friend for so many years what is that how do you feel about that
3: that's just Hollywood crap you know look Chappelle knows what he's doing Chappelle is it's very calculated. He knows to make the trans jokes and people are going reali- to realize he has another special on Netflix, a seventh one in two years. And mm-hmm. that's the way he's going to get it out there that to get that buzz going. He knows no one's going to break him that bring him down nope. because he's Dave Chappelle and also the color of his skin in this day and age are not going to bring him down. The, there'll be 20 trans people that are going to be mad at him, but it's 20 people that are bitching you right, know, but, about but it and that's though, it.
4: But then even though that's great that he has that self-confidence. And I hope that's keeps going, which because I think it's important. His voice is important. He to me is like a, you know, an equivalent of like what Patrice O'Neal would have been. That's how I feel about him. Like he's on that same level. Well, and I and I wonder what is Patton Oswald like? What do you think about that person who had to just put their nose in this, even though they're friends with that person and post something? like that what is, how do you feel about that
3: Well look Patton lives in Hollywood and you know he still gets casted and stuff so you have to follow a Hollywood playbook. That's basically what it is. If you want to be stay in Hollywood, you have to go. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to hang out with my friend that I've known for 35 years because he made some trans joke. I shouldn't have, you know, posted that picture. So when you when you live in that world, that's what you have to do. If you don't live in that world, you just ignore it. I you know, I go on Greg Gutfeld show every once in a while. I'm not this mad, mad Republican, but I've known Greg for a long time. Yeah, and, red eye. And, Right. Red Eye. I've, been going, I've known Greg for 15 years and all of a sudden no one wanted to go on a show anymore because it was Fox News. And I'm like, well, Greg's my friend and he helped me out be a lot with Red Eye. Red Eye was really popular. And, and, but, you know, and
4: I f- unbeknownst to a lot of people, Greg's not a Republican. No, he's, he's a, a libertarian. libertarian.
0: Yeah, right. He's, so, but, he need, but he's taking a gig. So like sometimes you're just taking a gig for the gig's sake of the gig and you don't really concern you, yourself then with the becau- politics. Then
4: you become the king of late night. <laughs>
0: Right.
3: I know he's got the it's when I go on, if I plug something, I sell a lot of tickets. And it's not all like these Trump people that come out or whatever. It's just people that want to hear comedy at night instead of the other late night guys. I also know Jimmy Kimmel really well. I've done his show a bunch of times.
0: So we were talking about Patton Oswald. Sam, you got to be easy on the guy. I mean, the guy murdered. I mean, he lost his wife and Um, um, you you can. uh,
4: (laughs) Well, we were talking about Kimmel, too. And so this goes in this tread of thought of, you know, when Jim started off and he got these, you know, the crank anchors, which was then given to Gary. And then I guess that's how you got on the show, which was giving tapes, but it was Corolla, Kimmel, Chappelle, Silverman. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know, like, what do you think of even people like Jimmy Kimmel, who the man show, how does that, how does that make you feel?
3: Well, you know, I, From Howard playing the telemarketer calls that I had, those prank calls, it just happened at like a perfect timing. I think it was like 2002, early 2002, you know, Kimmel and Carolla got a deal to do a prank call show and they were big Howard fans. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know those guys. I knew them from the man show and they would listen all the time. And they called up Gary go, who's that guy that does those calls? We want him. We're doing this prank call show. We want him on our show. So that's how I got the gig.
4: Right. I know.
3: From that. Yeah. Which was awesome.
4: But then you you so then you work with these people and you saw just like, you know, the trajectory of the Stern show and Kimmel and uh, people like Oswald, Patton Oswald, even though he was on the Stern show, but just his career in general, kind of, I guess I would say selling out, yeah. as I would call it. What do you think of a person you knew, especially Kimmel, about that?
3: Well, look, I mean, like I said, you know, once you go to Hollywood, it's a whole other thing. Do you want to play the game? Do you want to hang out with celebrities? Do you oh. want to make a lot of money or do you want to play it safe? Or do you want to just, you know, I uh, you know, so, but, but that's the choice you got to make. I see so many comics that move out there and they, they their acts are more, you know, generic. Once they get out there, they were super edgy when they lived in New York. And then they went out there like, well, I'm in the system now. I want to make it. I, you know. I'm, I'm tired of struggling. We never know in this business. I, w- I remember I was 36 years old. I was still paying, paying my bills with change. I was going down to the change machine at the frigging Pathmark the Supermarket.
4: Coinstar, so, star.
3: Point star. Yeah. I got like nine, 90 <laughs> cents out of a, a dollar or whatever. But so you it, just don't know. So I could see people going, I, I'm going to sell out. I just could never do it. I just it, it wasn't in me.
4: I'd like to hear that, but there's Sarah, or I'm sorry, there's uh, Heather McDonald. Do you know who she is? She's a stand-up comic.
3: Yeah, I know her, yeah.
4: She has this show called Juicy Scoops, and I guess Jimmy Kimmel did something like super inappropriate at the Emmys where he basically just like laid down on the stage in front of a winner who was, it wasn't funny, and it also ruined the moment for her because it was her first Emmy and ever being nominated for something. And so she just like let out. I don't know what happened to her, but she just went bananas and was like, I am. This is so such bullshit. He's such a fraud. Anybody who knows him is such a fraud. She goes, and you know what? I'm never going to get on this show, so I don't even give a shit. I don't even care. He's a fraud. I can't believe he did this. He's an idiot. He's a loser. He's a liar. And she just had this like break moment where I feel like comics like you do you ever have that moment where you're like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're not this person you portray to be.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, look, did Kanye messed up t- uh, Taylor Swift when she won an award? Howard did it with Metallica when he came out as man. So people have done it before. If it mm-hmm. didn't work, it didn't work. So Jimmy was probably just trying to be funny at that point. But look, like he's a white male in Hollywood. So, you know, you got to watch your back. People will come after you. You make one mistake, you're gone. So, you know, yeah. he probably thought it was going to be funny. It wasn't, you know, Jimmy's got a good sense of humor. Look, but like I said, once he's in, once you're in Hollywood and you you know, do you want to play the game? I remember Leno, I remember I was being back backstage at the Leno show. Cause I would go there when Jim Norton would do it. Cause Jim was a correspondent yep. and Leno sat down, me and Jimmy's like, why don't you guys be cleaner? Yep. Like you can make oh. so much money in the corporate world. He goes, there's so much money out there to do a corporate gig and then do the comedy uh-huh. club in town. Oh god, nah, we don't have it in It's Like, why? What's the big deal? You can't just write clean jokes. All-? I go, I don't, I don't wanna. I go, I have some, but I don't I don't wanna, I'm not a filthy comic, but he's like, there's so much more money. You don't, guys don't see the big picture. I like where I'm at. He's like, okay, you know, so but Jay's like, this is what I'll do. And I'm sure, you know, when you get out there, that's what you have to do. You gotta take off the edge. It's like a relationship, you know. The first six months, the girl lets you do anything or the guy lets you do anything. And then after six months, they completely control you. They break down everything that they said they liked about you. No, don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. And don't do that anymore. You're like, wait a minute. I thought you liked that stuff.
0: Well, there there could be repercussions like they tried to do it to Joey Diaz, and he just said straight upset because he said, basically, he told a story on Rogan about telling some aspiring comic, the female comic back in the day. You know, if you suck my dick, I got the key to show business. And and he he said, look, she was stupid enough to believe it. And at that time, we were all dirtbags and we're all, you know, you're going to if he refused to apologize for it was the main point. And he never got me, too, because he's still got because he's not like mainstream. He did have some movies. Roles and TV roles, but he's still doing his podcast, which is what he's most famous for now, and it's not derailed him. So there are ways to get around it, especially if the you know the push behind it isn't that strong. So like, I'm going to play one story that you all told on ONA about Rich Voss. It's called the bus story. So hold on for a sec.
3: <laughs> Wait, what happened? Wait, <laughs> v- Voss has the Voss has the creepiest story. The my, the, my favorite story of all time. He's doing like a Tuesday night at Rascals down at Jersey Shore, picks this girl up in his little motel, $60 or whatever, right? So he pulls and she goes, yeah, let's get a room. He's like, okay, so they get in the parking lot and they fool around in the parking lot. So, he, you know, she must have blown him in the parking lot or whatever. So now she's like, okay, well, you are going to go get the room? He's like, yeah, yeah. So he's walking to the front desk. He's like, well, I just blew a load. I don't need to get a room now. So he's trying to figure out how to get out of it. So he comes back to the car. Meanwhile, there's no cars in the parking lot. It's, it's one Tuesday. of those motels
2: where
0: you pull the car right up to the doors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. In the yeah parking and there's lot. no, there's nobody there because it's a Tuesday. Nobody's staying at that shitty motel. Yeah, yeah. It's in the winter in the Jersey Shore, so nobody's there. So then he comes back to the car. He's like, ah, they're sold out. She's like, what are you <laughs> talking about? There's, there's no cars. He goes, no, nah, there's, oh, there's a bunch of uh, buses in the back oh, for some tour, so there's no rooms.
5: <laughs> oh, my God. so this is
0: obviously before he married bonnie and had had a kid maybe they have two kids for now for all i know but are you guys were you ever afraid that something like that would come back on you guys
3: no because that's just what you did it was just like you were you know it's like when you went to a club you know you, if you're a guy and you you know on the weekends you go to clubs and you meet women and you p- pick them up and you bring them back to your place and they got friends that's basically what it was but yeah i mean i I, no, I do remember that. So I was laughing when I was saying it. It's like, oh, I know where it's going. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I remember my first car that I bought. I, I, I remember I got on MTV like three years in my career. and Then I got a college agent. I made a bunch of money really quick. And I went out and bought a brand new Toyota Tercel. And I got the windows Tinted the back window, completely dark and the uh, back side windows. But I couldn't I couldn't do the front windows. It was. Yeah, you get the
4: pulled jersey. over. Yeah,
3: yeah. I pulled over. So I got the back one and the two back windows and also the back window just so I could fool around with girls in the back of my car so I don't have to get a room because I had no money.
0: Yeah.
5: Yeah. So
3: my girlfriend at the time, she lived with her parents. We just have sex in my car. I pull in a parking lot. Nobody could look in because it was pitch black. And that's why I did it. I didn't do it because I wanted the sun out.
0: Hence the uneven tan Well this is Bob On the same episode Of (laughs) ONA Holy
5: fuck It
3: happens That's what makes Our life so Great When we were on the road We were called The load warriors
5: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Warriors.
4: Who
3: called you The load warriors Bob made that up Okay, yeah yeah. (laughs) It's
4: so amazing You gotta
3: understand It was was, like None of us went to college I mean I went to A two year community college and I got Uh, a Well,
4: please, you're better than you're more respectable than half the shit that's being pumped out.
3: Right. Because I went for like, you know, communication. I got a communications degree, radio and TV. And then after two years, I realized I don't have to go to a four year college. I was already working on a radio station. So But, you know, that was like our college. That was like our dorm, you know, like hooking up with girls because we never did that in that four years away Mm -hmm. in college like every guy does. And then when he gets out of college, he gets a job, he gets married. So that was our way of being at, you know, living in a dorm for four years, being on the road, especially early on in a career.
4: When you when you got to like live shows, then when you were more successful in your career and doing Stern, what was it like performing at Carnegie Hall with Artie?
3: Um, I remember Howard walked in in the middle of my set because <laughs> I went on first. I think there was an MC maybe he did like five minutes. He, I guess he was running late. He came in with an entourage. He didn't do it on purpose, but I guess right. they were running late or whatever. So I'm like four minutes into my set. And I'm doing doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden I hear, I'm in the middle of like a setup of a joke and I hear this roar coming. I'm like, why are they laughing at this part? I didn't even get to the punchline.
4: Oh man.
3: And I can't see because the lights are super bright on me. I can only see like the first or second row and the whole, and then I see everyone just turning around like in the front row. And I look, I put my hand up and I see the, and I just see someone walking and the place just goes nuts. So oh. I just basically had to sit there. And he was sitting in like the fifth row. So he came all the way from the back with like probably 10 people I think Robin was with him and Beth and a bunch of people and they took them all. You know, I sat on the stool for like two and a half minutes.
4: Wow. Oh my God.
3: I couldn't say a word because the place was going nuts that he walked in. They were going crazy that he was there. And what I forgot what I said. I forgot what I said when I finally he sat down. I said something that, that killed something like, wow, I didn't think you guys liked that joke that much. That's the best response I ever got or
4: something. <laughs> it didn't make you nervous, first of all. And You know, people just have this sort of feeling about Artie when it's connected to the Stern show, the anti hero, I suppose. And what did it feel like, like his crowd of people and being the doing a show with him? Yeah, the opener for that moment, because I'm sure you knew how big it was for him, too.
3: No, it was amazing. Absolutely. I, I brought my mom there. She's like, I can't believe you're playing Carnegie Hall. I like, go, oh, I know it was crazy. So no, it was unbelievable. But you know, but him walking in on that, like I, I've i done so many <laughs> shitty, I've done so many shitty gigs. I used to go yeah. on in between strippers. And so I could deal with anything. So if something like that happens, like, okay, well, I'll just wait to address it. You know, so it wasn't like, what am I going to do? I'm going to panic. I already knew dealing with assholes and drunk assholes in clubs for years. So I'm like, all right, we'll just wait till s- he sits down, and then I'll, I'll continue my act.
0: Okay, well, I got this question regarding the walk-on, because this is something that some Dice told on the show. So I'm, let me set up the um, the video so I can edit it later. So Dice was on the show one time, and he explained <laughs> he produced you and <laughs> Florentine, so you and um, um done one time and uh, and maybe it happened multiple times before we go into the clip, I want to know how did you get in good with dice because um, he's notoriously standoffish with people that aren't really close to him, like his family. I read his book I've been a lifelong dice fan I can I memorized most of his albums, and uh, he how did you guys manage to get in good with him because it seems like it doesn't happen unless you're you know really really so you have an in I don't know how you got the in.
3: It was crazy because me and Jim Norton, that's how we bonded when we first started doing comedy together. We liked Black Sabbath and Dice. Mm-hmm. And we listened to those the, the Day the Laughter Died albums where he bombs – those are some of the greatest comedy albums of all time. We knew every line. Unbelievable. So we'd go, we'd do these long road gigs and just listen to it and just, you know, and be dying as he's bombing and people are leaving. <laughs> it was the greatest comedy album of all time. So cut to like 1999. It's my first day ever in LA. Me and Jim Norton got picked to do Louis Anderson Comedy Showcase on NBC. He was hosting okay. for, for Young Comedians. And I remember Rich Voss was at the comedy store and me and Jim were somewhere else and he called us. He got in touch with us somehow and he goes, hey, Dice is at the comedy store. And me and Jim, like, holy shit. We ran up there and boss knew Dice. So he was talking to him and I went over to him. I go, hey, uh, Dice, I go, can I, can I get a picture? And he just looks at me, he goes, no. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? He goes, no, nobody tells you what to do. I go, I, I can't get a picture. He goes, no, nobody tells me what to do. I don't even know who you are. Get out of here. And I'm standing, there. I'm like, oh, shit. And he's still talking to boss. And I'm like, I, did, I got this one shot. Dice is my idol. That's the reason I got up on stage. I'll go, I'm going to ask him one more time. And I go, Dice, come on, man. We're comics from New York. We're just out here filming this TV show. Can we just get a quick picture? That's it. And he's like, and he's like an inch away from me. And I'm like, he's going to punch me in the face. Like, yeah, you're a comic from New York. I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, I'll take a picture. Come on. And then all of a sudden we started talking and we told him how much we liked those, the album, the day the laughter died. He's like, I don't remember what I said on there. Tell me some of the jokes. And me and Jim started telling him some of the jokes. He's like, you guys got to go on stage and I do it for my friend, my me and my friends so he told the comedy store manager, Hey, put these two guys on stage as Jim and Jim. And we went up there and did Dice's material, and the crowd had no idea what we were
2: doing. Oh my God. We
3: completely bombed, but him and his buddies were in the back dying. And we were <laughs> up there for like 15 minutes. <laughs> We took turns with a microphone. Jim would do one. I'd be like, uh, "Bet Midler shits, yodels. Nobody believes me. And they're like, what? <laughs> so then afterwards, he, and I recorded it. He goes, let's go in my Cadillac and listen to it on cassette. It was on cassette. So we're yeah. sitting in Dice's Cadillac in the comedy store park a lot, and we're playing it. And he's like, we're laughing. He's laughing. And then he goes, uh, where are you guys staying? I go, yeah, we're staying across the street at this hotel. He goes, maybe I'll pick you up tomorrow. We'll go shopping. I go, yeah. I'm he goes, yeah, maybe we will. I'm like, there's no way he's going to pick. We tell the other comics we're staying with. There was like six of us staying in a the room. They're like, yeah, he ain't coming. I go, yeah, I know. But it was still great hanging with them. The next right. morning at the front desk, like uh, there's a guy down here for, uh, for two, the Jim and Jim. Come on down. Oh my
4: God, he fucking came?
3: He came. He's out front. And we tried to bring this other comic, Lenny Marcus, with us. I go, we'll try. Go, hey, Dice, can we bring this guy as a comic? He goes, no, get out of here. No, (laughs) you're you're not a comic. You're not. Look at you. You can't be funny. No, just Jim and Jim. (laughs) And then he took us out the whole day. We went shopping, took us for pizza, and we became friends with him. And then Jim started open for him. Then I started open for him. And that's how we we, got our friendship just
0: from that one night. It
3: was so weird.
0: And that's so amazing. (laughs) And was he, Jim, was he filming even then? Filming what? Just anything. He seemed to have, he says he's got this huge archive of like videos, like even Super 8 stuff that he had way back when he was always filming whatever he was doing with like Club Soda Kenny and I don't know, with Happy Face and even like for all the, like he just always had a thing for videoing things.
3: Not right then, but about a year or two later, we were in a a ton of videos because we would open for him in Vegas. He'd uh, fly fly us out to Vegas and we'd open and he's like the whole day we're just filming stuff. We're in the (laughs) desert. Okay, you do this and then I do this. You know what the best was, I guess one of his kids was uh, it was his bar mitzvah and he was going through a divorce with his ex-wife.
0: Yep. And he goes, Mm
3: -hmm. hey, he told his ex-wife, listen, I want to play this video, you know, before at the bar mitzvah. You know, it's real in Beverly Hills. Me and Jim went out, flew out for it and stuff. And he goes, watch what I'm going to do. The video was like an hour and 15 minutes of nonsense. <laughs> the people were miserable. It was like Club oh Soda Kenny God. just saying stupid. They had, they had nothing to do with their kids.
4: It's like a bad drunk toast <laughs> was, of the best man.
3: <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. And then me and Jim are just going, we're slapping each other in the face in the back of the comedy store. Why did a, a son's bar mitzvah just to I, torture his ex-wife? It was that, the greatest.
4: That humor, that <laughs> humor humor of just like repulsion (laughs) it reminds me of like Uncle Paul because I remember Norton used to do Uncle Paul on ONA and he notoriously did it knowing Opie fucking hated it he Mm -hmm. hated it but he just would drag this character out to no end and for listeners like you or me it was it was the best because he just didn't give a flying fuck Like I'm gonna do Uncle Paul As long as I want
5: to
0: <laughs> Yeah, Yep Well here's the, Anyway here's the clip guys And we know you're gonna enjoy it I just hope it stays on YouTube when we do release it
5: <laughs> No like with the comics Like there's two or three comics right. On the so show it's a new thing. So instead of <laughs> Just a comic finishing up You know They never know What's when the next happen. guy's coming on. Ah. I see. You know, like you're always rappers an innovator. You're you know, always rap- an innovator. Well, I got it from the whole rap world because like, a lot of rappers go out together and right in the middle of one song, here comes another rapper saying, <laughs> you know, basically the same shit. Right. <laughs> you know, but, And then the other guy's like, all right, I'm done for a little, all right? All, right. all right, I'll see you so, later.
1: And another but, guy comes but out. the
5: beauty of being a comic is the guy could be in the middle of the bit yeah. and here comes like Jim Florentine <laughs> like, just walking out and... Because you never know when the new guy is going <laughs> to come you out. You would
1: never allow a guy to come out during your set. So well, you know. I, I'm Dice. Well, my show. Come on. Just
5: like this is the Howard Stern show. But you're messing you do... with guys a little no, bit. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's on. all about for comedy's sake.
1: All right, all you right.
5: Know, and then, like, uh, Jameson and Florentine wound up doing their acts together <laughs> place.
2: Direct.
5: They, one of them walked off i go where are you going you guys are killing <laughs> go back out yeah said, jameson go back out <laughs> and they stayed on for 15 minutes <laughs> and the crowd's dying from it that so we like a pred- <laughs> Fillmore. So that, yeah go ahead <laughs> Just there the was, concept, two guys
0: doing the same act. So he would I just
3: say, yeah, even. <laughs> he said, just walk out whenever you feel it. Just walk what? out. So I remember one show where you were doing like a weekend at a club. It was Don Jameson went first and I went second and dice. So Don was like a minute into his set and dice goes, go out now. And I go, now. <laughs> And I walked out. He goes, oh, I guess I'm done. And then I went out. He did one minute. And the next night he let him do like 15 or whatever like that. He goes, yeah. go out now. I go, it's only go out. I'm like, OK. And then Dice walked out like nine minutes into my set. All of a sudden, I hear this roar behind me. No introduction, <laughs> nothing. I'm in the middle of a joke. Like, OK. And I hand him the mic. The crowd's like, what the hell is going on?
4: So you have this you have this like unique, you know, start, I guess, to your career compared to, you know, people who have kind of been groomed to do this or it's 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 not normal the way this went no offense no it's (laughs) not at all not at all so i i was reading this intro bag uh sarah dames article and it's and you said uh you said howard took misfit comics and put us on air which was great it was a great exposure howser howard was a great uh launching pad and so when i read that i thought to myself even hearing this story, do you think now, I'm not saying back then, but if you had to talk to a new comic now, just like how Dice did with you, would you think that Howard's show is a great launching pad?
3: No, because the show, you know, the show has changed and, he, you know, he has a list, you know, people in which you would never get, you know, but you get them once in a while. So the show's changed like a guy like Joe Rogan. That's the place to go.
4: Right. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, like, in this change? Like, what celebrity... That he, you know, kissed ass with that he mocked relentlessly during the heyday of like when we loved it as listeners. Which one would most surprised you? What that he's
3: that that,
0: that he's, he did a turnaround on and decided, okay, this person's great. Meanwhile, I I tore them a new asshole for about twenty years.
3: Yeah, well, you know, if you if you if you realize that he had to pick
4: one, was, if you had to pick one,
3: um,
0: the most surprising.
3: Probably Rosie, but then, but then again, remember back in the day. I remember listening like he he was he would just get mad at Chevy Chase, or I remember uh, David Lee Roth call him David Weave Roth. Yep. And then he was mad at Kinison for a while, and then he was mad at Bon Jovi for a while and Dice. And then as soon as they came back on the show, he was fine. It was almost like you come on my show, and then I'll be fine with you. I'm going to trash you until I do. And then Dave came back on. He was saying say David Le- David Weave Roth. You know, we said Dave
4: and Chevy invited him to his wedding. And he made right. A toast.
3: So but I that think he got it. to you the remember point. that toast. Yeah. That, but that was that was him going. If you come on my show, I'm not going to trash you until you come on. I'm going to trash you. So um, I think that's what it was. He just wanted everybody on a show and he's go just go torture these people. And then look, he had the bell on after all that, after all that craziness that went on with him.
4: OK, even though the celebrity thing like the Rashindine, and I guess we that's what we call it, you know, going yeah. back on. What do you think about him when he signed on to AGT? Oh, God.
3: <laughs> uh, you know, I, look, he always wanted to host a game show. That was like his thing. All, all of his old bits were game shows, right? He always did the Hollywood squares, this and that. So he always he always said he wanted to host that uh, whatever. I forget what that stupid show used to be that Meredith Vieira used to uh, host. He was always the bitching. And host that. No, that game <laughs> show that she did, whatever the friggin. Whatever it was, anyway, he always wanted to be on some kind of like, you know, talent or game show type thing. But you know, um, yeah. Look, when you're on NBC, it's going to be you got to be completely mainstream. So you got to know going in.
0: Let me change the question a little bit, just to make it a little more, I don't know, safe. I guess. Um, What would you say was the the reaction in the stand up world, like amongst guys you knew that? When he did this gig, like, were they thinking, "Oh my fucking Christ, you can't, you can't be serious"? Or was it, yeah, whatever? He's, you know, he's he wants to sell out. Fuck it, who cares?
4: Honestly,
3: um, you know, a lot, most of the stand-up comics were more like O and A guys. Yeah, you know how you know O and A were the guys that that they had most of the comics on. There wasn't that many besides like me, Artie, uh, Levy, DePaulo. DePaolo, but DePaolo would go on both shows. Colin mm-hmm. kind of would go on both shows. So mm-hmm. more, it was more the o a guys that were like the comics. So I don't even remember like anyone saying anything like when he got that gig because it was more of Opie and Anthony. They were more of like, that was more of the comic show than, than Howard at that point.
4: Which I agree look, with all, as a listener.
3: Right. And all comics know. It's like, okay, if you're going to do a sitcom and you're a little edgy and you get your own sitcom and NBC – they're going to take the edge away, right? It's just the way it's going to be. You could be a little edgy, but there's no way you're going to have the same act.
4: Oh, I'm not not even I'm not even saying the edge of NBC and the censorship. I'm saying just the fact that he did it from how you think of Howard as that guy that you couldn't have, you know, machinery running around when he was on back in the day compared to what it was like knowing oh, my God, this is a guy that actually signed on and wanted to do this show, this loser show. I mean, it's so embarrassing in, in my eyes.
0: Well, yeah, I guess the really the question is gun to your head. Stern Show 2022 or two th- or Stern Show 2000.
3: What, what, what I like better. I yeah. mean, yeah, no, I mean, Stern Show 2000 was, you know, I mean, I got on a July 18th, 2001. I still remember that date hmm. That's the day I got on. That, that That's the day that changed my career.
0: Uh, was so, that incidentally, Jim, what, were you part of the uh, crew that tried out for get Jackie's job? Like, did you sit in as that or was it just Was It was a guest spot just uh, happened to be you were invited to the show.
3: No, I, I, I was probably already. I already got the gig like late October. I remember right. 2001. Right. I remember him telling me, he goes, hey, man, they're going to have me do full time. I'm like, really? Like, I know what they never told us, hey, we're trying out all you guys who were trying out to find out who the guy is, they would just have us come in. They go, right. yeah, we're just going to have different guys come in. We're going to rotate a bunch of different guys. So like, okay. Yeah. So we never knew that someone, they were looking for one person for that job. And then when right. Artie told me that, you know, I went in in July 18th. So by the end of October of that, right after 9-11, pretty much a month and a half after Artie said, yeah, Hey man, yeah. they offered me the full-time gig. I go, really? He goes, yeah. I go, cool, man. I was happy for him. I wasn't jealous at all. Artie was the right choice for that. I, w- I wouldn't have been the right choice for that
0: yeah
4: that, well, that's good there's um you know the amazing thing too is Artie he had when he came on the show he came on with Norm which was yeah. you know he was lost you know mm-hmm. in those last few years and Gilbert mm-hmm. they're like two comic legends obviously and had big impacts on the show you know and when now they're gone and you think about it in retrospect of the Stern show how did you feel when they passed away
3: Yeah, well, I I didn't really know Norm. I think I met him only one time. I mean, he was just such a legend. All he did was mess with people, and I love that. That's like my style of comedy, just, you know, just fucking with people. You know, Gilbert, I knew a lot, a lot. I I knew him way more. I opened for him a bunch of time. I did Skankfest with him like four months before. And he went up there and killed. He was definitely slow. It took him a while to get to the stage. He was there with his wife and everything. Mm -hmm. And we hung and talked all weekend and stuff. It was great to catch up with him. So that one affected me way more than Norm because I didn't really know him that much. But just those two legends... You know, I didn't know Gilbert was that sick. I, you could tell that he was weak and he was moving slow, but I didn't know he had yeah. all that stuff going on.
0: Yeah, sad. Um, real quick, uh, Jim, I just got these rapid fire questions and I got a few more fan questions as well and, and a couple of my own too, but hopefully you can you can answer these real quick. I want you to pick one. Um, Black Sabbath, Black Flag, or Black Crows?
3: Oh, not even close, Black okay. Black Sabbath. Okay. But, but, I just saw Black Crows for the first time over the summer and they were amazing, but Black Sabbath. That's my favorite band of all time.
0: Okay, you got um, these. The, the one of the, each one of these is in a fire, and you got to save one. The Reverend Horton Heat, Reverend Jesse Jackson, or Reverend Bob Levy.
3: I'd save uh, save Levy.
0: Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, you could be. You can be a professional wrestler from any era. You can play with time for one day. You can be that wrestler. Who would you pick?
3: What? Uh, superstar Billy Graham. He was used to my favorite wrestler as a kid.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, you're on a deserted island, not a desert island like a lot of these fucking cocksuckers say. Um, desert island. Um, you can two. You can only pick two albums to take with you: one studio, one live. Which two do you take?
3: Motorhead, Ace of Spades, studio, and Judas Priest, Unleashing the East, live.
0: Okay, fair enough. Favorite concert ever that you attended?
3: Oh man, that's tough. Um, shit. I just saw Rage Against the Machine twice at the garden. I took my kid and he he said it was the greatest show he's ever seen. He knew all the songs and I, but then he saw ACDC at uh, MetLife Stadium and he knew all the songs and it was just like, I saw ACDC as a kid. So I think those two concerts for me were.
0: Okay. And fair enough. And then uh, let's pick a, a concert that you could have seen that it killed you to miss out on that you heard was awesome.
1: Um.
3: I don't know i mean nothing really i mean i've, I, I've never seen system of a down i like those okay. guys a lot so maybe that's the one they rarely tour but there's nothing real i've pretty much seen every band a million times
0: fair enough uh okay now last two for this rapid fire Ab- uh, absolute worst bombing you've ever seen by a comedian you don't have to na- maybe it's not nice to name them but everybody's bombed i mean even the big the biggest names bomb sometimes what was the worst bombing you've ever seen personally
3: well, it could have been me. I mean, I bombed, uh, you know, <laughs> open it for Slayer, Megadeth and Anthrax in front of 17,000 people <laughs> throwing beers at me on stage. You okay. know, so I boo in 17,000 booing. Then after the show, I was by the merchandise table sign and stuff. And a guy punched me in the head. Oh, Jesus. He said, my jokes were up there. I wasted so much time that I took songs away from Slayer. Fuck. So, you know, I, yeah, I've had some legendary bombs.
0: Okay. And then the opposite, the person you've seen kill the hardest.
3: Uh, Joey Diaz.
0: <laughs> where, where was this? Just out of curiosity.
3: I, I remember seeing him at the comedy store like eight years ago. I go, this is the funniest working comic. That guy, he don't give a fuck. He's my neighbor now. He lives like six hours away. He's on my house all the time. Yeah, he's he's awesome. But I, I remember me and my manager we were in L.A. and I saw him like, holy, this is the best fucking, this is the funniest working comic out that he don't give a shit. And especially in L.A. and he's just saying all that shit. Oh, it was true. great.
4: Since you're an ex Stern fan, when was the first inkling that you thought the show uh, started to change?
3: Um, I don't you know, after already left, I didn't really listen that much anymore because I, I, I had serious in the one car I had. And then when I got rid of it, I didn't. I don't know. I couldn't figure it out a new car. I was like, I'm not going to pay for it again. I already had it. So I just never ha- I've had that serious probably in like 10 years. And I have a show that I do on Ozzy's Boneyard on Sirius, and I still don't have it. So mm-hmm. I pretty much stopped listening after already already left maybe two years after.
4: You were notably like on ONA a lot, too, as you said, like previously about, uh, you know, stand up comics really having their voice and it was more of a conversation and kind of the genesis of, something like a Rogan podcast Uh, what uh, I guess if any issues that you felt between the shows
3: well, I just know, like, you know, when me and Jim Norton were living together at the time, you know, in 2001, 2002, Jim got the gig, maybe 2002 as a sidekick for Opie and Anthony and we were roommates and they were at a war with each other. Mm-hmm. To stern, and I was going on the Stern show. I was a regular on there going on every like three, four months doing all the comedy shows calling in. So it was weird for us. We're like, hey, man, that's not our fight. You know, but it was just weird that we were both on these competing shows that hated each other.
0: Just a quick, real quick question. I don't mean to interrupt, Sam. Was there any blowback from like the way the late night shows sometimes used to do it, where if you go on that person's show, you're not welcome here? That kind of thing. Did that ever become an issue for you? Or did you ever hear that happening to other comics?
3: What would between Opie and Anthony and Stern?
0: Yeah, especially when they got to Sirius. I heard that Tim Sabian with Levy, especially he was he was uh, pissed off at Levy because Levy wanted to have Norton on Miserable Men. And and he said, no, like you can't have them because they're com- that's they're, that's an Opie and Anthony connection. And we're competing with them, even though it was still serious.
3: I don't remember that. It was just kind of an unwritten rule. Like if you if you got a, if you were on one show, just stick with that show. Right. Like and that was I never even asked. Hey, can I go on Opie and Anthony? I just knew I got a good thing going on with the Stern show, so I'm not going to ruin it.
5: Mm-hmm. So
3: I'm not gonna because I know it, it could be a potential be a problem. They never said, "Hey, just make sure you never go on that show." Okay, but I just knew not to. I'm like, I'm not going to ruin a good thing here.
0: <laughs> I got a real quick question from Dave H, who says, "When when was the last time you took an upper decker?"
3: <laughs> huh, that's been it's been a while. I mean, probably. Well, we did it for that Meet the Creep series, that hidden camera series. That might have yep. been the, no way. You know, I did it on the Louis show, even though it was fake. OK, I did it on, uh, the last episode of Louis on FX. I died taking an upper decker. I, fell, I don't know if you ever saw it. I fell off the toilet top of the toilet <laughs> tank and hit my head.
4: I did. Wow. I just saw Louis on uh, Rogan and he was promoting a movie he made with Apollo and your uh, list. Yes. And it is fantastic.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's called Fourth of July. Uh, you yeah, know, I know all the comics in it and stuff, but I think that was probably L- L- Louie was fascinated that I, that I took an upper decker on camera. So he wound up putting that in, in a script for me to do on <laughs> FX. So I, I, I'm going to take an upper decker and I slip off the toilet. and I have my head on the sink and I die.
0: Su- super professional. I can't tell you the level of professionalism, Jim. Um, I got two real quick Wait, questions. Oh, go ahead. So no, yeah.
4: you're not. Um, OK, so when you knew Artie was getting like into drugs and stuff, Chris Rock at the time said that uh, you need to fire Artie during when he was like doing really bad. Like he just flat out said, you need to fire him. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about the treatment of Artie um, kind of, you know, with the show when it was getting bad and somebody like Chris Rock who comes from obviously, you know, a different world.
0: Uh, th- and th- that also ties into another question someone has asked about. Did Ar- Did you and Artie ever discuss, Not necess- well, the treatment, his treatment on the show or how he felt being on the show kind of being, um, uh, m- you know, m- his addiction was pretty much being made into, uh, you know, content for the show. And how did he feel right. shitty about it? Yeah, it-
4: And it also just felt like, too, when we listened to Chris Rock say that at the time as fans, and especially in hindsight, it's pretty like, uh, I guess eye-opening that, oh, my God, why weren't people more thinking during in that direction? So what did you think?
3: I don't know. You know, look, everything was a bit on that show. If you had any kind of affliction or anything, that was always the show. You know, mm-hmm. Artie's Artie's downfall and Artie knew is he wouldn't he couldn't get off the road because mm-hmm. he wanted because the, the offers were unbelievable. The amount of money he was getting. So he was out every weekend because as a comic, you always think it's going to end and you're going to run out of money and your career is going to be over. So if you have an opportunity, we always jump on it because we remember when we were right. broke. So Artie always thought that way. So instead of staying home, he was making a good life.
4: You're like the depression. You're like depression grandparents.
3: We are. We, we're, we're always worried. <laughs> I told you, like I was 36 years old and play, paying and change. I didn't know. I'm like, that. you know, I am going to file for bankruptcy soon. I had no, you know, I wasn't married. I had no kids. I didn't know if I was going to make it. And you always think, oh man, I could go back to that. So that was Artie's downfall by working every weekend, not getting home till Sunday afternoon, flying in from Vegas. And then he has to be up at four in the morning. They go back, go to work. And it just wore on him. If he would have just stayed home and just took weekends off. But he, you know, he was, he was addicted to the money and I don't blame him. The crowds, they loved him. He'd sell on every show. So that was, that was the downfall. But look, that was, the, that was the show. If you had some kind of problem, they wanted you on the show to talk about it and exploit well. it.
4: And then, speaking of exploitation, so Kumeya, you know, notoriously got fired from O&A because of this. I don't know, like he was taking a picture of somebody in Times Square and it was this whole this whole thing. But be- previously before that, it was like a slow decline of the relationship between Anthony, Opie, Jim and the entire thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: How did you feel when that was happening? Like, what did you think about it?
3: I didn't know what was happening. there. You know, I go in there. I didn't feel any tension. I didn't. Jim never told me he hated Opie or Anthony or anything like that. I, You know, I was kind of new to the show because I started going on later. Yeah. So I had no idea. You know, you don't know that stuff's going on. And going
4: you never commercial. went to like his parties like at the.
3: No, I never Downtown. did. No, oh, I never. Wow. I, I never went to those. So I didn't really know. You know, I was friends with Jim and Jim wasn't going to say I hate Opie or anything like that. So I didn't know until Anthony got fired and Opie. You know, had me sit in a lot and they were like, you know, Opie, Opie actually went to management and said, listen, you got, you since you're saving money on Anthony's salary, you got to pay these guys to come in as a, as a, what? as a third guy, because it was just Jim and Opie and right. they always wanted a third. So it was me, Sherrod Small, Rich Voss. It was like Bobby Kelly and mm-hmm. and Opie got us some really good money every time we sat in and, wow. that, helped pay, and that helped pay for my divorce.
4: Wow. Oh, my God. That's interesting.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Opie went to bat for us and said, listen, you got to You're saving money on Anthony's salary. We need another voice in here. Excellent. Hey, these guys. Yeah. So, you know, he, well, did me, he, he, you know, I got nothing bad to say about Opie. I know people go after him and stuff. He never did yeah. anything to me.
0: Yeah. And what the other thing is, a lot of people are going after stuttering John now. And I know he invites a lot of it himself by doing the same thing and going after them. But we we made a decision not to go after him because he's just clearly got an alcohol problem. And I, I just known too many people with that same problem. And I, I don't have it in me to go after a drunk. How do you feel about that whole cottage industry that's happening now where they're just going after just savaging this guy?
3: Yeah, I mean, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I was on one of the shows because I was in where it was it Rochester yeah. And then I just said, listen, man, I'm not getting involved. John, John's another guy. He never if someone never did anything to me before in the past, I got nothing bad to say about him. John took me on tour. He got me exposure. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I first started going to Stern show. And I was like, if I can open for him and these crowds could see me, these big crowds, I'll come back at this club and headline on my own. And that's exactly what happened. So um, when, he,
4: when, when he was getting you, when he was helping you and doing that stuff, and back in the day, especially when you were a fan, who do you think was the biggest asset on the Stern show?
3: Well, you know, me and John started doing them first. I remember the, the shows and then Artie said, hey, I want to do start doing stand ups and I already joined the tour. And then as soon as Artie joined the place, you know, the, the fans went nuts.
4: Through the roof. I mean, I mean, the show on the as a whole, like the radio show, who do you think um, if you think about the times you listened and when you were most, I guess, enthralled with the show, who did you think was the best asset on the show besides Howard?
3: Jackie, the joke, man. Mm-hmm. I, Jackie, Jackie's my favorite guy that was ever on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy West, but Billy West was only on for a few years. Billy was unbelievable. But I love the Jackie years. The Jackie years. Those I still listen to those on YouTube. I can't get yeah. enough of them. Just them trash and Jackie every day. I, I loved it. And look, if it wasn't for Jackie leaving that show. Who knows where I'd be right now in my career? I always look at back at that because they never had unknown comics come in.
4: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, I thanked the- him. I remember I jack I saw Jackie like three years ago. I thanked him. He was you son of a bitch, give me some money then. <laughs> but then he, he was laughing. <laughs> Yeah. But it was true. If Jackie would have never left that show, I would have never got on there. They, yeah. they weren't taking guys they never heard of. Yeah, yeah it changed, it changed so a lot true. of
0: tra- it changed a lot of trajectories. Um, a couple more quick uh, questions from the fans. How is your what are your thoughts on how the Dolphins management have handled uh Tua Tagovailoa's uh Tug of head hits?
4: <laughs> I just talked to you about this, yes.
3: It's not a problem at all. The media just you know, Tua's a good guy, you know, he he he's religious and you know. He's already married. He's close to his parents. He's like a, he's like a, two, a, a Tebow. So you have to go after him. Russell Wilson, the same way if he's a good guy and he's not. No, but he
4: was hit. No, but he that, wasn't
3: that. hit. No, listen. The, he, when he, he, In the Bills the, game, in the Bills game, right. he hurt his back. He hurt his back like three plays before that. Someone pushed him from behind, getting him over the goal line. Right. And then it wasn't a concussion. He had no concussion when he went out in the Bills game. It was more of his back. He took right. a painkiller for his back. He came back and he destroyed um, the Bills in the second half. I got mean, it. I, I
4: got to say, so Florentine and I, we so I'm the biggest Bills fan and Florentine's the biggest Dolphins fan. And we haven't we've won the last I think it's seven, right? Seven and
3: eight, seven and eight. eight They won. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they won. And now we have that's our one loss so far. That's our one mark on our record. Right. But Bill's fans feel so guilty when like another player gets hurt or anything happens. We automatically donate to whatever charity the person who's injured gets hurt.
0: On well, the that, field well that second hit that the you know it's it clear, clearly neurological fuck up like something in there so it, maybe it was just that particular hit that did him in and um i felt yeah you couldn't look at that and not cringe super but hard. it had
3: nothing it had nothing to do with the, the sunday game the, the yeah. problem is the nfl a bunch of whores and yeah. they have to play on thursday night five days later and their yeah. bodies aren't recovered you know, but they, right. they're all about the money. So all the players complain about that. Like there's not you're basically in a car accident every Sunday and you need to get to the next Sunday to recover. And they start playing these games on Thursday. But meanwhile, Tua took the took, took team playing back that night. He right. didn't stay in the hospital. He, my friend works for the Dolphins because he he's up there playing cards. He's hanging out with the coach. He's fine, but he'll they'll probably play this week.
0: Wow.
4: Well, we'll we'll see. What do you think about um, NFL wise? Who's your Super Bowl pick besides the Dolphins?
3: They're not. The Dolphins aren't going. It's going to be the Bills. I'd say the Bills. And I don't know who would in the NFC. Maybe uh, I don't even know, because, you know, the Cowboys always choke. The Packers don't look that good. So maybe the Rams, Bills and Rams. I said the Bills win it.
0: Do or dies for the Bills this year, Sam. Um, I just don't like how the NFL
3: panders.
0: They're still. The, I, I just like I, it, well, we
4: can't take the hype. That's another thing. Like, you know, yeah. we're in a blue collar town of like losers. Like, yeah. you don't like it.
0: You got yeah. to learn how to win. You got to learn how to win when it when it matters. No, we, um, love, we
4: want it. We care about it. But, you know, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to take like the the heat. It's like, OK, back off. We love our we love our bills. Like, leave us alone.
0: Okay. Another question that was from Mac and this one's from Gordon C. Uh, First, first of all, I got to preface it with, do you know of a place in Jersey called vintage vinyl that just closed? Yes. Okay. So he said, he asked, did you manage to buy any last items from there? And if so, what were they?
3: Um, Yeah, it was a great record store that was there for 30 years and I just closed like, maybe like a year and a half ago, the guy retired. It was a great place. I would just go there and support. I'd buy a CD. If a band came out, I'd just go buy it, even though I could listen, I could stream it. But yeah. just for support and stuff like that, it sucked. When it. I don't remember going. I went in there at the end. It was just depressing because the yeah. place was getting sold and everything. What was, that but, place,
4: what was that place we went to that that one in Rochester?
3: Yeah, that's yeah. called the Guitar Shop. The guitar, and they something. had like
4: a million. And I bought my dad like the Cream record. Yeah,
3: House of Guitars, I think it's. Yeah, called. and yeah. I bought
4: him like a sick like Cream something. They had it was like amazing that store.
3: Yeah, there's two in Rochester. There's two uh, music store, shops still there, but yeah, that place in Jersey was near my house. I'd go there all the time.
0: Okay, a couple, more, a couple more little quick, quick questions. Sorry, Samda, and we also have a couple clips to play as well. Uh, first of all, from Jimmy M, how is Crackfinger doing?
3: Crackfinger is doing great. He's my friend Tony? I've been friends with him since second grade. He comes over to my house every Sunday. Um, you know to watch football. He's still out of control. He's nuts. Um, oh. he, when Joey Diaz moved to my neighborhood, I told Joey, there's another guy I'm friends with too. It's just as crazy. There's two guys. Yeah. And I told Joey, I said, Joe, if you want to come over for football, I got two guys that are just assholes. I go, you're going to learn to like them, but they're dicks. <laughs> he goes, no, I'll come over. I go, I'm just warning you. I don't want to put you, make you uncomfortable. He goes, I'll be fine. But it's the second week. One of my friends chased him around my basement naked. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and, and Joey Diaz called Joe Rogan the next day because Joe Rogan wanted Joey Diaz to move to Austin with him. Yeah. And, Joe, and Joey's like, no, I want to move back to Jersey because Joey grew up in Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so he called up Joe Rogan. He goes, Joey, he goes, Joe, he goes, some 55-year-old man chased me around Jimmy Florentine's basement naked yesterday. This is where I need to be. I'm around my people.
4: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, okay. Okay, I, so... I, yeah, go ahead.
4: I got a question. Uh I know you watched our summit video of like when we took apart when Howard got that leaked video, you know? Yeah. Of like him standing up on a stage and just like saying, Make fake Twitter accounts. And I know you watched the whole thing. What do you think of that?
3: Well, I saw that before. That was that was around for a while. I don't know. Right. I remember seeing that. And then outlined. we took
4: it apart, but yeah. like what did you think of it?
3: Yeah. You know, it's weird because I don't live in the corporate world, but I remember like people were going, well, that's like, that's like a speech some would say if they work for a corporation, like that's normal. Yeah. Like they didn't um, think it was that crazy. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I don't know anything apart, part of that world. Like, no, it's really not that bad what he was saying, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe the show was losing steam at that point. And they figured if we get, I don't know, you know, maybe get more celebrity interviews, which, you know, they get press all the time. You, know, right. you see him all the time. They pull something out of there where some crazy story. It, there's a lot of press. So I don't know. I mean, it was just. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I, it was weird. But but then again, like that, I don't live in that corporate world.
4: Right.
0: OK, well, this is a clip from when you did the Nick and Artie show, which I love, which we loved. And um, we and loved. They, yeah, they, they have a little anecdote about uh, what you carry with you when you travel. <laughs> right, we, we do the gig and next right next
2: door is a dance club a little <laughs> I love Nick's play. Oh, that's the funny bone, the of, Pitch, bone of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh yeah. yeah. there's a dance club right, right next door called the it. green room yeah, yeah the yeah, green yeah. room exactly uh, so we well. wander over there after the gig you know <laughs> Yeah. and I'm sort of drunk in the corner just you know not having a good time like I always do right and uh, Jimmy comes in with uh, I don't know if you was John or not but uh, all of a sudden I see him mixing around walking around all of a sudden I just smell this rotten, horrendous. <laughs> and I see girls going, Oh, what is going on?" People start scattering like, like you would like a terrorist attack. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I see smoke on the dance floor. He drops a stink bomb. Oh!
3: Uh, <laughs> was a bachelorette party at our show, and they oh. ruined the whole show. So then they were in there ca- doing karaoke, having a good time. Yeah, that was,
2: that was a karaoke bar. Yeah, the funny bone in Pittsburgh yes. had a karaoke yes. bar, and while you're waiting to go on stage, yeah. you heard people singing like Johnny used to work on the dock. <laughs> you were the website, and then I'm like I got to go out I got to do an hour can you shut this kid up <laughs> And that's like,
3: yeah, they, so they, they ruined, ruined the show. show So then they weren't having a good time So I'm like, I'm going to ruin that good time You
2: dropped an actual stink bomb? <laughs> yeah, you
3: I, I to carry him all the time that's with me right. Well, who doesn't, who doesn't carry a
2: stink bomb? <laughs> a grown man to a dance floor <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ruin that good time
3: <laughs> So, Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, those glass little tubes They smell like rotten eggs You put them on the dance floor oh. You can either step on them Or you just yeah. put them out there And somebody will step on them And they, they crack easily And it just <laughs> smells like rotten eggs People start running to the exit it's oh great. man!
0: they used to sell them when I was in grade eight or so. We went to Quebec City and we bought some at some some junks, like some joke store. And it smelled like a, it smelled like a dead rat's died up someone's arse. You know what I mean? Like it was just the worst foul smelling shit. We used um, to bring them
3: to the clubs, the dance clubs all the time because we were like, uh, we just go we just put one on the dance floor <laughs> and just watch as Someone stepped on as they're dancing. <laughs> or we just we throw it on the dance floor and it crack and then th- clear the dance floor and just be sitting there <laughs> laughing.
0: I already told the story on the same show about how you were at the airport and you just saw like a family with, a, with like some teenagers and they're all having a good time. So you said, watch this. And then you walked over and all of a sudden they were going, oh, whatever. And you just l- unloaded a, the most horrendous fart near them because you said I didn't want them to have a good time. <laughs> we yeah, because we
3: games. were miserable. Yeah, we're coming off. Uh, I don't know. We're going to Vermont or something like that. And they looked all happy. So I said, watch this. And it was like really loud. There was family just sitting there laughing, smiling. So I just had to ruin their good time.
4: Uh,
0: well, yeah, go ahead.
4: That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> um, there's one more, a couple more questions here. Uh, one of them was, of course, um, was there this is from Greg P. Were there any uh, semi or se- serious, semi-serious re- repercussions from any uh, terrorizing telemarketers calls?
3: No, not, not at no. all. None. No, I mean, uh, you know, I just released volume seven.
0: Oh, God, so I'm still it's, doing them. I'm going to I'm going to probably try to put portion of like they, one of the calls in between the thing like pizza, the pizza pie, oh, or pizza the, pie
3: one. Yeah, I, something
0: <laughs> like that. Or, or, you know, my favorite absolute favorite is uh the uh, I <laughs> I got to call my brother on New Year's. So Don interrupts every two minutes. <laughs> yeah. one, one question that's part of that. Um, do you feel did you feel that Richard and Sal, when they start doing their interrupting bits on the show, that it was like a tribute to you guys, or did you feel that was kind of a copy?
3: No, I mean, cause I you can't claim, you know, the jerky boys did it before everybody. Okay. So, you know, they had different characters and what our thing was similar. So a, a prank calls a prank call. So I can't really go, Hey, they copied or anything like that. So, and oh, they're please. friends of mine. So I was happy they were doing it. They had jobs and shit like that. So sure,
0: cool.
4: So you're, so you're friends with them. Do you, and you still keep in touch with them?
3: Um, I haven't seen him. Yeah. You know, um, me and style will text every once in a while. And Richard, no, I haven't seen him in a long time. Richard, Richard's got like two kids now, I heard. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I haven't seen him. He's he. But I'm still, you know, I'm still friends with those guys. We'll text Richard. loves listens to my heavy metal show on Ozzy's Boneyard. He's always text me about it. So
4: yeah, because he was a drummer. Do you like <laughs> now that you have a kid like our kids are around the same age? How does it feel like now that you have a kid at the age that he is? Um, and your career, what is like the best part in opportunities or uh, events you can take him to that just kind of blow your mind to watch him um, experience that?
3: Well, yeah, he'll come to a lot of my stand-up gigs. He loves sta- watching comedy. He loves watching stand-up. He's been on stage a bunch of times. He hasn't done it in a while. You know, now he's like playing right. basketball. He's into Friends. He's like FaceTime with chicks now. So I'm like, good for him. Yeah. You know, I want him to have a life. So um, but no, I, I, you know, he'll go go to certain concerts with me and stuff. We we'll go to sporting events and, you know, so he likes the same teams. I like it's great. It's like having a little buddy. We, you know, we get a lot. You know, it's awesome.
4: Do you My feel coaches. like do you What's feel that? like uh, when you take it when you're able to take him to these events, do you feel some sort of, I guess, pride or this like this is I feel great that I get to be able to. Sh-. I mean, not a lot of people get to live that life.
3: Yeah, it's true, because I remember we just we saw Rob Zombie over the summer and we went backstage and with John five, the guitar player was it was his birthday. So we're at his basically at his birthday party. They brought out a cake and we're doing this. And Luke, my son's like, I can't believe I'm at John five's birthday party. I'm like, yeah, Mm it's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know it was going to happen, but he's more fascinated. I work with Eminem back in the day because he's a big Eminem fan. He sees he still can't believe it. (laughs)
0: Well, this is another clip from the Nick and Artie show talking about that metal show, which I loved. The fact that you had Herman Rarebell, the fucking drummer from the Scorpions with Andrew Dice Clayson, who a lot of people don't know. Dice was a drummer back in the day. He used to like uh, like uh, jazz bands or whatever. And um, and he in vinyl, he played a character who starts playing drums, really shitty, drunk, you know, coked up. But um, anyway, this is uh, they're talking about the appeal of the metal show
4: and I was just wondering how, if he was into
2: that band as well.
0: Yeah, Tool is definitely like the modern version of like Rush,
3: you know. Uh, you think they, day, you'd yeah. put them in not, that league? Not, not not yet, no, because they've only put like three records out, right. so they got to do five more. Yeah. And They only put one record out every like six or seven years, but they're good. I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> it's a little too smart for me. Yeah. I like dumbed down It's ECDC. a little, pretent- well, why it's a little you, pretentious. Why do
2: you compare it to Rush? What makes them like Rush? Because it's kind of
3: like uh, sophisticated, kind of like you know, a yeah. bunch of different parts. Like, you got to be like, yeah, a real music fan. Like, <laughs> I want to listen to this on the headphones. i right. like, let me just put the CD in my car and just
2: crank. It's a long way to the top you want to rock and roll. Thanks for the call, Brad. Hey. Yeah, Jimmy's show, uh, That Metal Show, uh, that he hosts with Don Jameson yeah. and a guy named Eddie Trunk, it's a great show yeah. because you'll see guys – Interviewed there that you'll never see anywhere else on television. <laughs> the like, bass play of her rat. Well, I, I, I saw them interview the lead singer of Queensrÿche one night. <laughs> it's, just, Is it's that fam- the old guy? It's fantastic. fantastic.
3: No, Jeff Tate. No, he's not. No, he's, I'm he's thinking probably. of another. But it's funny because everyone always says, "Are any of those guys dicks? You know? Are they? Are they you know, got an attitude?" I go, "No," because they have nowhere else to go <laughs> right. on TV to promote this. They're not going to be on Pierce Morgan. They're not doing Letterman. Rat's got an owl mouth. Amazing. They're not going on Letterman. The rat.
0: <laughs> so uh, people don't. If anybody gets a chance, you got to read, like, check out that metal show. I love when you guys had D. Snyder, you had Peter Chris on. And of course, I know Eddie's a massive, massive Kiss fan. So that's always that was always a, a great thing when you could have Ace or Peter on, of course. But um, it, there's no chance of that coming back. Is there, Jim?
3: Um, I, you know, Crankhangers came back after like 12 I know. years. Yep. So who knows? You know, you just never know. I mean, as I remember when the show got canceled, we had an agent go to Hollywood and try to pitch the show. Like, you know, they they'd still have to get the rights from VH1 because they own the rights. And nobody in Hollywood had any idea what the show was.
5: <laughs>
3: it's so niche. You know, it was on VH1 Classic, you know, buried on channel like 336.
2: Well, so it wasn't on regular like VH1.
3: <laughs> so um, I don't know. Look, we did 140 episodes in eight years. Yeah, that's that's a lot in TV time.
0: Yeah, it is. Well, uh, the, the one the other thing real quick was uh, the disgruntled waiter series that you put together on YouTube about maybe seven years ago, six years ago. I loved that series. Where did, what was the genesis of that? Where'd that come from? Just because you hating all these Facebook posts people used to make or uh, it, what, what was the the what, where'd that come from?
3: Yeah, I think so. It was just like, you know, some character just being a dick. You know, yeah, and I, I, and and it's, I, I just shot a whole bunch, of new of them. I got a whole, a whole new series coming out of them. Awesome. I just shot, but you know, it's almost, and and a lot of people can relate to it because they know what customers such a, they're such assholes. Oh yeah, so it's almost like that. I don't look like the dick, even though I'm being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> yes. No, so we have a, we have there's some, there's some, you know, I might have some kind of like Meet the Creeps kind of sketch comedy show, or whatever like that in the works. We're working on it right now, so we'll That's see true. that all that shit might be coming back.
0: That'd be great.
4: I mean, I mean, if Cranky came back and I just I think that metal show was just so unique. And, you know, I who says, you know, never say never.
3: Well, that you don't know. I mean, the problem is that like people go, what about Netflix? Okay, well, Netflix has a documentary on Beyonce, which, you know. She's right. known in every household worldwide. We're going to have Herman Rarebell on, the drummer from the <laughs> Scorpions that was on five albums as our lead guest. Who's yeah. the, who, who on Netflix is going to tune into that? So we have to it has to be in a, in a little small VH1 Classic was perfect. It was all little shitty channel and no one bothered us there and they just let the show run.
0: Yeah, well, the I loved it. anybody Anybody can find the episodes. I think they stream them. There's several places that I think VH1 will probably still stream as well. Uh, they're just fantastic. I, I totally recommend it because the pacing's good. You guys aren't on too long. It's like 30 minutes an episode or 20 minutes an episode, something like that. And you guys are t- tight and funny, and there's crowd interaction, and the music's good too. So it's it's got something for everybody. Um, real quick, got <laughs> just a little quiz for you, Jim. It's called the Dirty Sex Act Quiz. I want to name the the sex act and see See if you've heard the expression, you can explain it. Uh, one of them is called the Mississippi Bird Bath. No idea what that is. Okay. This is what I read. And Kayla, I apologize. It says uh, filling a, a southern girl's mouth with Kool-Aid and getting her on her hands and knees while you dip your balls in it. Um, the other one is called <laughs> the spice, the spicy gringo.
3: Don't know that one either.
0: Okay. It's called, it says stuffing a chick's ass with a volcano taco from Taco <laughs> Bell and then eating it.
3: <laughs> it's awful stuff.
0: Uh, and the last one is called Boston George.
3: Don't know that one. These must be new
0: ones. I guess so. This one says it's jizzing up a girl's nose and she snorts the cum.
4: Oh God! Ew! <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Didn't that, make you them. know. I'd
3: rather get a blumpkin than that.
0: Well, oh. that's that was some one of the ones in there. There's some of them I had to leave off. I'd I know rather Sam's,
4: I'd rather take a hot box. It's
3: horrible. <laughs> What's a hot box?
4: You know, when you box somebody in with your fart under the covers.
0: Oh, oh that okay? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that a Dutch oven? Yeah, oh, Dutch oven. Yeah, Maybe okay. They might change them here and there. Um, I'm sorry. Th- Any other questions, Sam? Sorry, I-,
4: I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, we're we're clean cut, of course. Um, the only other question from the fans was. Um, this is actually a little tough. Nat 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 uh, Natalie P says, is, she asked, Is Robin as bad crazy in a relationship as she is normally? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, that her like you, if you were a fan of the show, just as we were, she you know how she could get what was she like when you guys were together? I mean, was there any affectation dropped off, or was she less of herself? <laughs> did I have to what?
4: Help with well, charities.
0: No, there was,
3: I think I went to the dog show or something. Oh, yeah, I the Dog
0: Academy Awards. Yeah, because I remember them
3: making fun of my suit. I'm like, I own one suit. I don't care. <laughs> and I was Jim- like, you got to get another suit. I go, I I, I, went in the, I went in the men's warehouse. I go, I want a suit that I can wear in August and February. Give me one.
0: <laughs> Jim, said had, Jim said he had 300 <laughs> tour shirts and one suit.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I got one. No, I got 550 concert T-shirts and something. one suit. I, I still have yeah. one suit.
0: Okay. Well, this is a clip from that. Hold on. This is already talking a little bit about it. I can understand it.
2: <laughs> I guarantee Jim is the first guy Robbins dated who owns a sabra-cadabra shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I own
0: three of
3: them.
2: There's
3: a black Sabbath chib- Oh, my God. I, I, I hire him for parties. Whenever I have parties, I hire him to perform <laughs> my career. Yeah. Really? Right, so- yeah. For an extra 300, they'll put the outfits on to look like black <laughs> Sabbaths. Yeah, I, I they they did my bachelor party. I had them and like four strippers in my friend's basement. It was unbelievable.
0: Well, <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> this is another clip from when you came back. It's so, like you you dated Robin and then you went off. The sh- you you were allowed to come back. Because some people have asked, were you given like the 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 heave ho because she didn't want you on? And you like no, you did an appearance at least one or two. I maybe. did I,
3: I, I did two after yeah. after we broke up. So there was none of that. It was just that's when the show was changing. That I think the two times I came back, Artie was already off the show.
1: He's weird, you know. But you two are very adult. I like that you we were always. It was a little tough. Film yeah, def- for a that's while. good. That's <laughs> healthy. You see, I never do that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Like Robin could get angry, and you can get angry, and then you talk about it, and yeah, and you work things through. I don't do that.
5: <laughs> well, actually, I get angry, and Jim talks things through.
1: <laughs> you you don't give up on him. No, I don't. I mean, you yeah. Want to avoid her? There
3: was a point where I was gonna. I just said, look, I'm I'm sorry, and I guess we're not gonna be friends. And yeah, it was it was at one point it was bad. You like to be friends with the people. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd like, like to. You know, you have a relationship with somebody. You know, I just don't like to cut them off and never see them again. I feel
1: you're a very sensitive guy. I do feel he's a sensitive he guy. He is. Mm-hmm. He does care about. He's Got a big heart. I care about Artie a lot, man. I. No, you I about, uh, about Artie. Yeah, absolutely. Jim is a good always.
2: friend to me; he always has
0: been. Well, what do you mean? Why
5: don't you take his calls? What? <laughs> <laughs> is that
0: right, Robin? <laughs> so that comes out of nowhere, and then she basically she's basically outing you, saying you're the one that broke up with her. Was it a situation where um, you got you were just not able to spend enough time together when you decided to, uh, or was it a, like a clash of two worlds, and you know, crack finger got in the way?
3: Well, yeah, no, she did. Um, <clears throat> look, I all I know is. It was probably what was it? August, like 2007. I had to go back. I wrote this shit down. So I knew Sam was going to bring it up. And I'm like, that's fine. But so it was August 2007. I go in there. My girlfriend's, you know, death was like December 2006. So I didn't go on the show for like eight months. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I went on the show that day and I told the story because they all knew her. Howard knew her. You know, one thing about Howard, you know, people, whatever they say about him. He probably called me at least five times after her death just to talk to me, just to talk.
4: That's shocking.
3: He, he, he at, at one point, I'm like, he's calling again. Holy shit. Like, yeah, he would just call. Hey, what's going on, man? How you feeling? How's it going? Mm-hmm. And we just talk about whatever. He probably have 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, and then he would call again. Hey, Jim, just leave me a message. Give me a call when you can. Don't worry. He would just call a check in.
5: That's like, he fascinating. Would do that.
3: I know he did it for probably the first like three months. And we just he said, dude, but, you know, but, Jim, you never- like, isn't
4: it? You know, like the history, like, isn't that? odd to you to think about that sort of gesture and then you think about how he's treated other people and isn't that just that to me that's bizarre
3: I don't know look I I, he always liked me for some reason like right from the beginning he did and even today like you know once in a while I'll email him or maybe I was on Facebook or something like that so it's not you know it's still not strained or anything like that it's not like we have any problem. I think when Metallica played at um, the was it Harlem, what's that place in Harlem? The, the, Apollo. the Apollo probably yeah. like, I don't know, like six years ago. I saw him there. We talked. That was the first time I saw him in a while and stuff. So but anyway, getting back to so he's like, hey, whenever you want to come on the show, if you want to tell your story, if you don't want to tell your story, it's fine, too. And I said, all right. And then that was like August 2007. I went on. I told the whole story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was pretty tough for me to get out And then we went to commercial break And then we got back And then it w- we lightened up the mood And Howard goes, hey, Jim uh, You know, Robin's single Jim, you're single What are you? What about you guys going out? And then it was like 45 minutes of us going Come on, you'll meet Jim's friends You know, Black Sabbath, Sabbath Dabble, all that shit Anthony Cumia <laughs> Yeah, all all this shit Like just busting balls Like, Jim, you know, I'll take you to go see You know, some tribute bands, whatever And she goes, all right, fine, I'll go out with them I'm like, holy shit So it wasn't like I went in there asking. They just started it with that. And I'm like, I'll go out. You know, at that point, I know that she was... Was it and- Mr. X? Mr. X he was, right. she was with for a long time. She broke up with him around the same time with my ex's thing. Yeah. So I, I, I think we both needed companions at that point. I really look back at it. I go, I needed someone. I was living with my mom at the point, at that time. Yeah. I moved back with my mm-hmm. mom. I was fucking devastated. I need to be taken care of. And I needed someone just to be around. I missed her. And Robin was, she got out of that long relationship. And we just started hanging out. It was just like a hanging out for a while. You just as you- like buddies.
4: It's interesting to me, too, during that time period, because Kumia was hanging out with Nicolini, that, you know, the weather lady. Right. And that whole saga happened. But you guys happen to have a concert together like you went to a concert with Robin and he went out with that weather lady. And that whole thing ended in complete disaster. And was that before you guys broke up or after?
3: No, that was, we. no, we should... were still, we we're, no, we're, we're, were dating at that time. So, what did I... you guys
4: think about that? And he went to the concert and Jill Nicolini and Anthony broke up and it was this whole thing on ONA because he, she blew her stack. He was cheating on her. She burned the clothes and a bunch of items. It was like all over ONA. So, this was during the time before you broke up with Robin. What did you two have to say about this?
3: I I don't even remember that. I mean, she wasn't following the show. I think it was like first I I remember taking it to Van Halen at Mm -hmm. Nassau Coliseum. And and then there was like a K-Rock event. It was like a K-Rock concert with Stone Temple Pilots and another band. Right. And um, we were back like VIP area or whatever like that. and, And Anthony was there with Jill. So we just said, hello, I knew Anthony, you know, and I guess maybe that might have been the first time Robin met him. You know, we just had a beer. We're just hanging out, whatever, waiting for the band to go on. That was it. When that stuff went down, she never mentioned it. Like she, you know, she didn't go, oh, my God, you know, I don't even think she knew. I mean, she must have, but I don't even remember talking about it.
4: It's so interesting because Jay Ellis, like even after all these years, he said something that was interesting. He said Robin likes wild, crazy white guys (laughs) like Mm Steve-O and He's like you. And he said that and I was like, that's an interesting take. Keep going, though.
3: Yeah, no, I, I get see. That. I don't know. For some reason, black women have always been attracted to me. I don't know why they've always liked me for some reason, maybe because like I'm a little wild. And I don't know what it is, but I've always had that attraction. So which is weird. But getting back to the Robin thing. So um, I just think at that point, like it, you just it was perfect timing for both of us. She needed a companion. I needed somebody at that time. We just started mm-hmm. hanging out. We're going to dinner here and there and just hanging and it just blossomed to something else. But ultimately just like in every relationship and it's tough for a comic, you know, I work weekends, she works during the week and, you know, she's off on the weekends and that's when I work. Yeah. And, it be- mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it, that, that ultimately was what, what doomed us. And I knew it would because I wasn't going to just stop doing stand up. Yeah, because, you know, she had a lot of money and I didn't have to worry. I'm not Tom Arnold. I wasn't going to pull that bullshit or anything like that. I'm like, no, I still I'm just a a dirty, raunchy nightclub comic still to this day. Fifteen years later, that's what I still love doing.
0: Well, there was one clip where Shuley came in and he said you were upset with him and he, because he, he basically he, he blabbed about a story to Robin before you could tell her when it was going to be on the air. But then there were other issues with like Langford following you guys. How, how hard was that to seem like, Jesus, why the fuck are we being followed for content? Can't you have a life? There's a difference between celeb celeb and that which was basically the show doing that to you.
3: I just remember it was like the perfect storm because that was the Howard 100 news. Yeah. So Lankford's like, okay, if you see Robin and Jim out, here's the hotline call. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I don't like, believe me, I don't like any of that stuff. Yeah. I live a low key life. If I got to go on radio shows or do podcasts or promote something, then I'm just, I just chill. I'm not. So when that, all that stuff was happening, the worst was, you know, uh one night there was hardly any place to go eat. So I go, let's just go here. We I took her to Applebee's and someone called in and saw us in there. I'm like, oh, oh, man. Man. oh man, and I was going oh, man. I was like you took her, you took Robin to Applebee's. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a gift card. It was a <laughs> what was I gonna do?
4: I used to like the oriental chicken salad wrap personally when <laughs> yeah. I was in high school.
3: <laughs> so I'm like, shit, now people are said fucking busting me wherever I take her. Now I gotta take her somewhere fucking classy. You know, so uh, that was a little annoying. And then, I, you know, I would I work at night. So I'd wake up in the morning and there'd be voicemails. Oh, you turn on the show they're talking about you. And then there oh, was spotted here. There was spotted there. That got annoying because I was like, come on, man, I'm not in it for this stuff.
0: Right. And did she ever did she put the kibosh on that? Did she tell them behind the scenes like enough of that shit? Or did they know organically like, hey, like, OK, enough's enough.
3: No, they did it till the end.
5: Wow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Without
3: a doubt. Yeah. And and I remember going up there there, like a week later, I had to go record something maybe for Ozzy's Boneyard and Blankford saw me in the hallway and he was following me around serious with the microphone sticking in my face. Christ. He's like, give me a comment. I go, Steve, I got nothing for you. He's like, I'm going to keep following you. I'm like, come on, man.
4: I I wish our press was as good as that now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, so she never did that. She was just like, yeah, she, she, she. It didn't really bother that much.
0: Only I got only one other question, Jim, and it's regarding miserable, men, miserable men. And I sent you the archive. I hope, I hope there's something good in there for you. But um, the when you did finally stop doing the show, was it just because, well, hey, first of all, they weren't paying anybody, or was it the slog and that and the fact that you know that you didn't feel it was necessary anymore.
3: No, they weren't paying us. I remember yeah. they said, start the show. It wasn't Howard. I think it was Tim Sabian. Right. You know, Tim's like, all right, start the show up and we'll get the paperwork going and then we'll pay you. I'm like, all right. So we're doing it like Sunday nights and it was like four or five months in. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I got to get paid. I'm coming to the city Sunday nights. I'm just getting back in town from my weekend gig. So where the fuck's the money? No, we're working and working on it, working on. It. I was like, oh, all right, I'm, I'm walking away, no,
0: man. That's that's shitty. But that that's wasn't really
3: that shitty. didn't come from Howard, though. That didn't go. Howard go. Don't pay him, you know, but ser- serious. You know, they're, they're always slow with paperwork, you know, with, with mm-hmm. that company and stuff like that. But I just got to the point where I'm like, I don't want to do it anymore because I, I, I need to get paid if I'm going to go do it. But, you know, they, they still kept doing the show, Levy. And so all it's those guys, so it's a company
4: that's like, you know, a company. It's not like being paid under the table. They should have paid you. Yeah. No.
3: The, yeah. They, everything's got to be on the books <laughs> and stuff. So you got. But uh, I just got to the point where I was like, I don't want to work for free anymore. So that was it. But I, I wasn't mad. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm out.
0: It's yeah. No. no I, get, I get it. Yeah. You walked basically. I I don't blame you. I would have done the same. Um, but uh, I was just curious about that. Um, Sam. Any other questions?
4: Uh, only one more. Who was your favorite Whackpacker?
0: <laughs> John the Stutterer. Mm, nice.
3: At Bigfoot was for a while but then he was he wasn't around enough no yeah. it is it is it did but uh, John the stutter i still what listen to the old clips on uh on you <laughs> when Fred's mimic him and, and doing i i i i oh my god even my <laughs> kid loves it my kid goes crazy he's like that put that John the stutter cl- clips on he loves it too so oh, i think oh. he was my favorite just to what he what, how dirty he was like uh, yeah I'll eat her asshole. and then then yeah and <laughs> stuff like that it's just <laughs> Uh, so I think he was my favorite. Beetlejuice was, you know, I toured with him. He was just weird, you know, uh, so I wasn't great. He was okay. But oh, I, I, I'd say John the stutterer.
0: Oh, and the other thing was one last thing. It was had to having to do similarly with the Killers of Comedy. You were doing that for a while, and then you stopped doing it. And it was a time when Levy explained that it, the show wasn't doing that well. And Artie was on the wrap-up show kind of not speaking for you, but I guess in a sense kind of uh, saying that, he doesn't. Maybe Jim and Nick don't want to be part of the circus of the atmosphere, and they just want to do stand up, and they don't want what comes with it. What was that situation like? Where did you just want to go do your own thing? Did you want to go smaller? Did you like? Did you decide? Fuck, the crowds are too nuts. What was the situation with the Killers of Comedy? Where you decided? Yeah. no, I can't do that anymore.
3: That's exactly what it was. I didn't want. You know, they're like, I right, watch Beetlejuice, so he doesn't mm-hmm. leave his hotel room. I'm like, I'm not a fucking babysitter. I'm not watching him. Yeah, you know. And then, and then everybody, you know the Iron Sheik was on the shows and Garrett, a retard and the and No, everyone's, do, you know, they're supposed to do like 10 minutes and everyone's doing like 25 minutes and they're not oh even man. doing well. And I'm like, I just want to go up there and tell jokes, man. This this sucks. So that's when I got to the point where I'm not doing it anymore. This is so unprofessional, Okay. you know, but it was a freak show. So I, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to do stand up, and I'm like, I take that shit serious. I'm like, do your time, get the fuck off the stage. And that was it. And it's like, you got the Iron Sheik out there and then you got dildos on stage from Yucco and all the shit. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing against Yucco. I like Yucco. We got along great, but um, it was just too much of a freak show.
0: Yeah. Well, that's brutal, but I'm glad we got the inside scoop from you. So, but I want to just say thank you so much for being part of the show. And uh, thank you for agreeing to be uh, interviewed. And it was great. It was great. We hope you had a great time.
3: No, that no, was great. Absolutely. It brought up a lot of old memories, like those clips you were playing. I don't remember that stuff. Like when Robin was in that clip and she was saying we had a little rough spot and we broke up, I don't even remember that. Like, I don't even remember getting in an argument with her, but I guess we did because she was saying, yeah, we're a little rough, but now we're fine.
0: If there's anything you want, you're looking for and you want to hear, let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to find it for you and send it to you.
3: Yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. But uh, no, it was great. Uh, you know, it was good reminiscing about the old days and stuff. But look, the, the bottom line with, with Howard is the guy made my career if it wasn't for him, I, you know, who knows what I'd be doing right now. I got everything in my career from being on that show. Right. You know, he took a chance on like, you know, like I said in another article, on like, you know, Misfit Toys like I didn't want to go the David Letterman clean seven minute stand up comedy. when wait, wait, so. you
4: wait, When you say that, you know, he did the Misfit Toys and launched the comics and you clearly know he's not doing that anymore. Do you like when you hear shows like ours?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely, but you know, everybody, people change. The show changed. It, w- it wouldn't make sense for like Joe Rogan's the one doing that now. Joe Rogan's the one breaking comics. Right. You know, you go on there, you do a couple appearances, you start selling out everywhere. That's when I first went on to Howard, and I think the second and third time so I sat on a Thursday and Friday it was my second and third appearance. And they just plugged it. I was at the Funny Bone of Pittsburgh. I sold out five shows. That's right. what Joe does now. He finds these young comics, brings them on, gives them exposure. So, you do, know, and- do you
4: do you wish that Howard and Joe, like if he could like uh, Howard, I guess, kind of like put down his guard about feeling, I don't know, some sort of narcissistic way about Joe, that they could have some sort of, uh, I guess, reunion or just, you know, how he shit on podcasts? Or do you think that's like an impossible thing that could never? No, happen? I
3: think I think it could happen if they got in the same room. But Joe, Joe lives a like even though, you know, he lives a quiet life, too. He just wants to be a comic. I know he does his podcast and he has some controversial guests on, but he's a, just a comics comic. He loves to hang with comedians. He's opened his own club in Austin and stuff. It's going to open in a couple. Oh, months yeah, I
4: heard all about it. It sounds exciting. actually. Yeah, so
3: he. He just loves hanging out with the comic. I hung with him like four months ago down in Atlantic City because Joey Diaz opened for him. We hung to like six in the morning. That must was the first time funny. I first time I smoked weed in twenty years. Wow!
4: Shut up, really? Well,
3: yeah. I mean, it actually took more than one one hit. You know, that's but, awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, um, but yeah. So I don't. You know, if they ever got in the same room, I'm sure they'd be fine. I don't think they hate each other. You know. Yeah. so Who knows? But. Like I said, everything I got is I always tell my son, I go, look, I live in this house because of Howard Stern. So I always say that to him because I got everything from that show. So I can't, you know, I can't say anything bad about the guy because he was never a dick to me. And, you know, I was on the show for 10 years and I look at it like he he he, he gives a guy a launching pad and then he goes, OK, go on your own. I'm letting you go. I'm going to bring somebody else on. I'm going to give them the spotlight. Do I you gave think- you enough and now you move on and you have right. to take advantage of it.
4: Do you think that the people who are on the show still, who you even have remote associations with or even don't anymore, do you think that they kind of mourn the loss of like what the creativity and kind of like what the show was when everyone loved it, including yourself?
3: Probably. I'm sure they do. But you know, you know, as you get older, you want to work less. You don't want to, you know. He, that guy, I mean, back in the day when he was with Allison, mm-hmm. living in the basement, and, you know, and doing the Channel Nine show and doing all that, he was working his ass off. And I guess you, as you get older, you're like, want to take, I want to take it easy. So it's mm-hmm. not like the same show where there's just some craziness going on. So I, I get it. Right. You know, it's just, it's like a band, like a, a band put like 10 amazing albums out and then the last few haven't been that great. I'm yeah. still going <laughs> to listen. I'm still going to listen to the old 10, the first 10. Yeah. That's the way I got to look at it, you know, but... The guy, if it wasn't for him, I don't even know. I'd probably be playing in a firehouse. I might not even be in the business. So that's the way I look at it, you know, because everything people hear me on that. I got inside the NFL on HBO for a season. I was on there. I got crank anchors because of it. even that metal show they knew me from from Stern. So everything pretty much I got in my career was because of the show. Totally. And people <laughs> still come all the time because yep. I'm like a classic rock act now on the road. They just know me from back in the day on the Stern show. So they'll still come and see me in all these cities. Dude, I remember you back on the Stern show. It was great with Artie and Torn, all those crazy stories. So it's still I still do well just from being on that show years later.
0: That's good to hear. Yeah. Um, Just quickly, uh, uh, Jim, any plugs you want to give before enough or nothing, anything recent, but anything like that's going to be in the next couple of weeks?
3: Oh well, yeah. My terrorizing telemarketers, volume seven, is out. It was a number one comedy album for like three weeks. Perfect on, uh, on iTunes. That's out. Me and Don Jameson doing the same prank calls. We're still childish and immature. <laughs> and my my latest comedy special, bite the bullet, is on Amazon Prime. You can rent it or buy it.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I shake. He, he was like a a monster guitar.
2: That's classic uh, Ozzy too when he comes in. <laughs>
1: The, <laughs>
2: the video, he's like got the hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the devil. Don't I'll
5: you
1: take think, your kids' from you. Don't you think? <laughs> don't you think Ozzy does that hands out thing because he's got like sort of a Christ complex? Well,
2: probably. Now I think it's the living.